0: the classic metal podcast with rev taylor and darren wall reviews interviews and conversation since 2021
1: hello and welcome back to another episode of keepers of the flame a classic metal podcast it's sunday night so that means it's time to crack a choice beverage i have another one from holy mountain this week called inherit the flames a beautiful ipa from those crazy heavy metal loving bastards up in ballard and it's time to listen to a couple nerds ramble on about all things classic metal so strap yourselves in it's bound to be something um so if you're watching this on the youtube um you will be able to see but for the first time we have a guest on the podcast um we have a very good friend of mine, um, Mr. Jeff Black from the band Gatekeeper. He also has a Dungeon Sith project called Encloaked, and he uh, is a music producer extraordinaire. Um, Jeff, how you doing, man?
2: I'm wonderful. Thank you very much for having me on. How are you guys doing?
1: Doing great, man. And of good. course, our co-host, Rev. How you doing, brother?
0: Doing all right. Making it through another week. Glad to be here. <laughs> yeah. yeah we, I wish I had a beverage as good as yours. I, I uh, kind of came here on the run after going to the grocery store, and I grabbed an energy drink from the cooler by the checkout. Now I kinda wish I hadn't, but it's in my hand, so I'm drinking it. Well it's uh it's pink and purple and it tastes pink and purple. Yeah well That's all you I'm gonna need say about you
1: it. your vitamins pink and purple. Otherwise you know how are you gonna how are you gonna be able to get through the week, dude?
0: Right, I'll I'll be too green and yellow yeah. to get through does, the week. Does it have
2: the name of something that you put in a car?
0: Um no. No. Well oh, no. yeah well
2: BCAAs isn't that like a roadside assist
0: well yeah I mean <laughs> I'm sure if i look at the ingredient list there's probably something that could function in a car you know, I like, really know it looks
2: I, like the thing i put in there to fix my steering
0: yeah i don't know what 309 is l309 could be like a technical death metal band name
1: it's very possible yeah but uh no, yeah it's a little more about i guess jeff i mean a lot of people don't know i like, mean this guy met because we played in a Blind Guardian tribute together a few years ago. Unless you're close friends of ours, uh, you probably don't, probably nobody would know that apart from like the 20 people that came our saw our one and only show that we did. Um, but yeah. There um, was like a
2: hundred, like a hundred people there. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, there was actually,
1: I don't know. You know me, like had a lot of beers and hit my head a few times over the years. I, I forget. <laughs> it.
0: Um, Makes us only need to be able to count to four. Yeah, exactly. And then
1: basically like Jeff stole half that band and made Gatekeeper. And then you guys, did uh he has made a, a full-length album got signed to a wicked record label went to europe put out a, another awesome sounding ep that i actually talked about last week on the show um sweet and uh with our with our boy matt roach and um <laughs> and uh yeah and now you're in the middle of uh, mixing and recording a new one how's that going uh
2: it's going it's it's a slow process mainly because um you know, we're, we're kind of doing the pandemic thing. We're not really seeing each other too much. Um, Adam, our second guitar player, he's doing the bulk of the rhythm guitars right now. And he comes over twice a week and we do socially distanced um, recording sessions. So we're kind of in the middle of rhythm guitar hell, just kind of doing short sessions a couple times a week. But we are uh, nearing the end of that. And I kind of feel like that, like drums are done, bass is done once the rhythm guitars are done that's kind of like the foundation of the house the way yeah. i see it and then after that we start decorating and that's the fun stuff so yeah i'm looking forward to that
1: yeah you start adding get to add layers get the solos done yeah. and then you get to get creative and be like oh let's put a congo beat here or something you know whatever
2: you <laughs> it's coming yeah. yeah yeah yeah
0: don't don't tempt me yeah would a awesome. lion roar sound effect really help right here <sighs> or? is there a song you can start with a motorcycle sound i'm These thinking the important yeah. questions. <laughs>
1: rattling (laughs) a fucking spray paint can or some shit
2: (laughs) like helicopter blades exactly just me doing
1: (laughs) yeah well that's awesome man i mean everyone i'm sure everyone's a lot of a lot of people out there are waiting for you know you guys to put out another one including me so i think it's gonna be yeah it'll be it'll be i think it's gonna be very well received when you guys get that done so mr jeff is gonna be here for the whole thing he's gonna sit and suffer through this whole ordeal that we put ourselves through every sunday um (laughs) So of course, as you, if you've listened to our first three episodes, you'd know on um, the first thing we do is we do a deep dive into a, into an album every week. And we try to stick to newer releases. And this week uh, is, I think is the first time we've done an album by what I would consider like, you know, a huge band, like a legacy band. Um, we are going to be reviewing the new album by German heavy metal masters, except called Too Mean to Die. Um, so, if you got, if for those listening that don't know much about Accept, like this is probably one of the most important bands in German heavy metal history. Um, they started in 1976. Uh, the founding members were Udo Jürgensdör, Wolf Hoffmann, and Peter Baltus. Um They've done 16 albums. I did not know they had 16 albums. Um, so in the early days, you know, they had their maybe their self-titled album. They put out Breaker and my favorite, Restless and Wild. Um, then in the middle 80s, they had some big commercial success. Falls to the Wall and uh, Metal Heart were huge albums. Late 80s, um, Udo leaves. Um, they had that David Reese guy come in for a minute. Um, they put out an album or two with him. Udo comes back in, like, the, in, in the mid-90s, and they put out an album with him. And didn't, I, I didn't I, – I didn't that wasn't even on my radar in the 90s that they were doing anything. Um, and then in 97, they go on a long hiatus. I remember, I remember seeing them on, like, a few bills. Like, they played a Vakken, I think, one year, uh, a couple of big festivals over in Germany with the original lineup. Um, but they weren't active, uh, basically, for the late 90s and the whole 2000s. They didn't do anything. And then in '09 they get Mark and they have the comeback with Blood of the Nations, which is one of my favorite albums of the 2010s. It's so fucking good. They followed up a Stalingrad. Very good awesome album. They got Andy Sneap on board to produce all those albums. So you mm-hmm. you know what they sound like. <laughs> if you hear that, you know what they sound like. Um, then um, Herman Frank and Stefan Schwartzman leave the band and they put out the last two, which the last two didn't have um, as much of an impact for me um, as the the ones in the early the early part of the decade. Um, that's probably a reason why them dudes are pretty integral to the sound, I think. And then this latest album, To Me To Die, is the first one without Peter Balthus. He actually took, he's gone. So this is kind of like the Wolf Hoffman project now. Um,
2: yeah. And
1: I got to so admit, I had,
2: sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, it's kind of, it's kind of a historical album in a way. It is. Uh, so it's, that it's like the only, you know, Wolf Hoffman is now the only member of Accept who's played on every, every record.
1: Exactly. And, you know, I, I think Wolf Hoffman's one of the coolest guys in metal history. Uh, he's such a good riff writer. But I got to say, I had, a, I had a bit of a tough time with this record. Um, you know, musically, I thought it kicked ass. I thought it was real good. Um, there's, you know, Wolf can still write um, a riff. Like, he's still got it, man. He can write a riff. He can write a melody. Um, a lot of these songs have, to me, still have that classic except feel from the 80s. Um, the lyrics just, I just killed me. And I don't, pay, like, I don't pay attention to lyrics very much when I'm listening to metal. I just don't find a lot of metal lyrics very interesting, if I'm being honest. Like, they don't really, I don't care. Like, they just, apart from a few bands, um, like Queensryche and uh, Blind Guardian, where there's, like, some really good, you know, uh, thoughtful lyrics going on. They just don't yeah, care. Yeah, the lyrics
2: are almost an afterthought for a lot of bands, I feel like. You know, they, they, it's, it's more about, I find with a lot of bands, even classic bands, it's really more about the delivery. Than the actual phrasing yes this album
1: the lyrics hit me over the head like a louisville slugger (laughs) they kind of like beat me up and 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 it starts with the album, the song titles because when you have a song like sucks to be you i need to see those lyrics because i what the fuck (laughs) so that that was kind of where i was at with the whole album i thought musically it rocks
2: and are are the lyrics available like i like we've been listening I'm assuming you guys have been streaming it. You yeah, get like yeah. So, of it. yeah,
0: I looked up some of them today on on Genius, I think. So they're they're out there. Okay. Um, the lyrics. And
1: yeah, I, I was playing it. I was playing it. and it had a lyric screen came up, like on my oh. on on my iTunes. Like, I, there's a setting where you can have the lyrics scroll when you're oh, playing.
2: it. So, uh, okay, I got you.
0: I've been using YouTube. Yeah, I, I mean, I got this the is
2: YouTube pressing.
0: <laughs> this is one of those like. You know I, a lot of last week I was talking about the importance of making yourself understood as a singer um, and I guess now we, we do kind of see some of the flip side of that like sometimes you know actually Mark Danilo is, is pretty easy to understand he's good at singing in that way but uh, there's a downside to that if the lyrics are uh, not, <laughs> not too interesting or, or a little bit subpar and I think in a couple cases here Uh, that's that's definitely the case and and you could definitely make a case that across the board it's not it's not a, a especially fascinating album lyrically and there's some moments where they're kind of going for that kind of like nudge wink wink uh irony thing but I feel like actual Germans are usually better at that than Americans are and so with this American singer he I'm not sure if it's if the vibe quite gets across in the way that that Udo was able to kind of get that Sense of irony across because some of those old Accept songs are a bit goofy, but it works a little better
2: than this does. Yeah,
1: they're goofy, but they're kind of thoughtful in a way. You know, yeah,
2: they're goofy, and there's also the English second language type thing too, where there's like some of some of those bands have a small. There's a little bit of a barrier where there's a few things that don't totally make sense, but it works. You get the idea, and it's kind Mm -hmm. of charming. Yeah, yeah
0: and, and Udo is not you know he's his diction's not necessarily the best so there are verses in that old stuff where you're just like what's he doing He's got
1: gonna... That's also old recording technology too. <laughs> right. Like a lot, a lot of that stuff you know the was lost in you know the the limitations of the recording technology today because it was all cutting kind of tape and you know they're on a you're on a budget it was definitely mm-hmm. a lot You I mean there wasn't much, as much time to really refine all that stuff his diction probably isn't the greatest to begin with but a lot of that i think gets lost in the old recording tech but anyway talking you're like speaking of the lyrics like this song album kicks off with that zombie apocalypse song Mm -hmm. and i when i was writing notes about this the first thing i wrote was whose fucking dad wrote these lyrics (laughs) because like seriously holy shit it's about it's a song about fucking smartphones and how everyone's a zombie walking around in technology like with their brain lost in technology, not paying attention to anything. And I'm like, oh my God, like, are you kidding me? Like, again, with this stuff, like, it's not interesting subject matter. We all know everyone is lost in their cell phones. Like, shut up, dad, was kind of my
2: first response to this one. It's it's a very boneheaded, like, metaphor, you know? It is. Yeah. It's You know, there, there, there's no... You know, there's nothing to the imagination. I mean, you know exactly what they're you know you know exactly what they're talking about. Especially if you've seen like the like the the music video or the lyric video they put out for it as well. Um, and it's a shame because the song rips. Like it does. It's a sick opener.
1: It does, dude. It's the riffs are great. Like it just it's, I don't know, man. Like I was I was excited when I heard the the guitar the guitar riffs come in, and I'm like, oh man, this is gonna be good. And then the lyrics came in, and I'm like, what are you? No seriously
2: but yeah
1: it it fucked it it fucked the song up for me straight up
2: yeah it's a shame it's it it makes it hard to take it seriously
1: oh really it's like yeah Yeah. i know it's just like technologic technology bad
2: like yeah
0: yeah Yeah. it, it didn't quite have the subtle touch that a song like that would have really needed i mean calling it zombie apocalypse i think they were trying to kind of get attention with that but then weren't really able to follow through on the metaphor um I mean, there's some cool harmonies in the chorus. Like, musically, it is cool. Although, in general, on this album, like, there are some cool songwriting moments, but I really kind of miss some of the stuff on the older Accept albums, even the ones from, like, a decade ago, like Blood of the Nations and stuff, where there's a little bit more adventurous songwriting, and you get, like, a little bit more... um, interesting transitions and, and more participation from the backup vocals mm. um, and that that is here that's part of the trademark of the accept sound and it, it is here but it's like not quite as prominent and I kind of uh, I, I kind of miss some of those moments where it kind of goes into left field and I mean the sure. most obvious example is like the balls to the wall outro where you get that it turns into this choir thing yeah you, you know? get you
2: get like a couple hints of that teutonic choir in this one but they they don't use it nearly in the way that like it should be i feel like yeah that was and yeah that I, was I agree good. i
1: miss that too it would be cool to have it i, I could deal with a straight up rocker though you know like yeah, Sure. musically i yeah. thought it was very satisfying but yeah it is um, a shame
2: that they took this track and made it just it's like it's it's just like listening to being it's like it's like an, a song where you're just being yelled at by your dad
1: exactly um, and it's and it starts the record and it sets the tone right yeah um the next the next song was too mean to the title track and I, I actually thought that was cool as fuck like the lyrics are silly but it's just mm. about like being a heavy metal bad motherfucker you know and i was like i was kind of into it <laughs>
0: i, I kind of like, like that one yeah yeah
1: it, 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 yeah, it, it, die. It's a yeah exactly area. like cool vocal hook cool riff um lyrics just about being a badass i'm like i, I i'm sold that's my wheelhouse
0: mm-hmm. i think it would have been a better opener honestly
2: yeah it could Probably, been, you know, Yeah, and, you might you might be right about that, Riv. But yeah, it's
1: like you know, it, it, it's 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 a silly title, and the lyrics are silly, but they're silly in a good way. Like I thought, I thought this song was like really fun. Um, it it's, fun it's yeah.
0: It's silly, but it's kind of affirming. It's like, and it's a little bit daddish, but it's that's kind of the point. It's like, hey, like you know what? I'm old and crusty, but I can still rock. It seemed to yeah. be the, the point, and and it, that's like a, a positive and and. Affirmational kind of statement, so I, I was easier to get behind than get off my lawn, you know. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no phones at the table, right. <laughs> hands off the thermostat.
0: But, uh, but as, as I don't know, as uh, kind of cranky as Zombie Apocalypse was, I thought the third track, Overnight Sensation, really upped the ante, and that that's that was the peak dad song. Oh my um, yeah, god, yeah. It-
1: just when you thought that the fucking phone, I was like, Oh God, a phone, another technology, like internet, like song. There's another one. And we're three tracks into the record. <laughs> yeah. It's the second fucking, song about the internet. And it pissed me off. Cause like this song came on and it had like this, almost like eighties sunset strip riff to it. And I was like, Oh sweet. This is going to be one of those, like, you know, cruising like rocker except songs. And yeah. then he starts like singing about the Kardashians and stuff. And I'm like,
2: why? <laughs> yeah. It's got like lyrics about TikTok, you know. Yeah, exactly. And like, and like Facebook reactions. <laughs> it does. Oh, <laughs> really legit. Wow's the the best Facebook reaction, by the way. Yeah, the, yeah, wow the best, <laughs> best one.
1: Yeah, but it was it was a uh, yeah it was it was a big it was um I don't know again like. I was excited when I heard the riff. I was like, "Oh man, they got the rocker." I like it when like the, the kind of like the rocker comes in on track three because it, it yeah. changes yeah. it up a bit Brings and it pace. adds a different yeah. dynamic. I thought like the placement of this song musically was really smart. Um, it's, and it's just a classic song. It's a classic riff, and I'm like, then he starts singing, and I'm like, "No, no, why? Why are you doing this to me, man?" But
0: yeah, the, the second verse starts off, "I want to be famous for nothing." Just like a Kardashian, tell the world my whole life story, even though I don't have one.
1: Uh, and it wasn't like something about like being internet, <laughs> being on like the internet Hall of Shame or Wall of Shame or some bullshit. Like, hall of, I thought it said Hall of Pain. Hall of Pain, that's right. The internet Hall of Pain. Hall of hall of yeah. pain. Oh God, like it's so like, good. Like, like yeah, no. <laughs> it's like, dude, I, I, you know, you know me. I love man work, and like, I, I, so I could deal with some fucking brutal lyrics but
0: smiles and frowns ups and downs each and every afternoon I get hearts and tears wows and cheers I never even leave my room
1: <laughs> <laughs> he was mad at his kids when he wrote this song like, <laughs> so straight mad at up. Kids. Yeah. he was like ran, he, got, he got this demo from the band and had to write lyrics and his kid was like being annoying and like not coming <laughs> out of his room and playing too much like minecraft or fucking whatever and you just like I'm gonna write a song about my stupid kid being on the internet all day. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I know it's pretty. It's, it's pretty brutal. It's it's like it's kind of embarrassing. Honestly. It is.
1: It is. So yeah. we we get to this point where three songs in, two of the three songs have been about the internet and technology. Track four comes. What do we get? The same shit, which is just unbelievable. I'm like. Is this like at this point I'm like, is this, is this a joke? Is this a concept album about the internet? Like, what the fuck's going on? I'm just like, I I, I didn't even I didn't even I'll be honest I didn't even listen to it, I skipped it because I was just like I'm over this I'm over getting yelled at by this guy about how much he hates the fucking internet. So <laughs> did this you is
2: actually what I, I, I skip think. that song? What's that? So 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 did I get this right? You you've actually not heard that song? No, before. I turned it off. <laughs> like I'm not doing this I can't
0: awesome I thought I actually like this probably best out of the first four tracks although yes it does start out with the media's controlling the masses stoking our anger and fear and I had the same reaction when I heard it like but like I I I, like kind of liked the chorus actually and it it, Mm -hmm. it turned out to be more a little bit about like just not letting yourself be controlled by you know currents of society and stuff which is still kind of a it can be a bit of an old guy kind of thing but I don't know it was it was all right in the end mm-hmm. just given... it gets better
2: it, it's yeah. it, it's actually a track that does get better um, gets a, well, it, it, it gets a little bit more um, I, I'm not sure the the best phrase to use it's just a little a, a little bit more interesting a little bit less it gets a little bit less um, I just think it's very very goofy when it's specifically about this thing in the you know modern society I like to be a little bit more um, ambiguous i think
0: this one is a little bit more ambiguous except for like again that first verse is is yeah. very much in the same vein but it ends up just being like the whole concept is you know equality is all that i'm after i'm no one's master no one's slave which yeah. i mean that's a sentiment we which is on.
1: cool but i don't know like i, I, I when i was listening to it I, so i listened to part of it i didn't finish the song when i was listening to it just given the current political context of the day, where everyone's like, "Don't listen to the mainstream media. Go on YouTube and listen to this fucking <laughs> shithead talk about this." Like, that's what I think this song's about, and I hate it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess like it does kind of raise a bit of a John Schaefer red flag. It does, things.
1: and it was not sitting well with me, so I turned it off. I was like, <laughs> I don't want like it was, it was this this song was pissing me off, and I turned it off because I was like, I don't want this to. Taint the rest of the album for me. I want to like be able to listen to it objectively. This song was actually making me mad. Like I was like, I'm not doing it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but that's just me. Damn. Uh, but again, the music I heard on it was great. You know? The the bands fired on all cylinders. You know, they're fucking um
2: what the hell is going on here?
1: But yeah, it's 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 it's, it's fucking it's it's killer. Um
2: yeah, it's like they they kind, of, they kind of brought out some some different kinds of melodies in the in the guitar hooks and the in the leads a little bit. It's a little bit little bit just a little bit got this kind of um you hear some more like the neoclassical influences kind of creeping in on the on some of those parts.
1: Yeah, exactly. But I mean that's um that's uh, that that one is um that one is what it is. So next up I have the Undertaker. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Uh, what'd you guys think
0: of this one? I mean, it, it's definitely a, it stands out from the other stuff because it's like a I don't know what you'd call it, m- mid-paced kind of semi-ballad. Uh, it's yes, got more of loony. the it's got more of those Teutonic choirs kind of stuff. Uh, it's got some. I like the hook. Um, the lyrics are all just kind of like you know we're all gonna die, and and using the Undertaker, the character of the Undertaker, as kind of a metaphor for it. Yeah. Um so it's not exactly like, it's not highbrow kind of stuff, really. But it it worked better for me than a lot of the stuff that came before.
2: Yeah, I agree. The guitar solo section is very cool in that song. Yeah, it is. You, you start to hear a lot. There's a lot more um, personality coming through in the in the lead guitar work in that one, which is, which is very cool. Although the the rest of the song, like again, like the, the lyrics were kind of. Very, very bullheaded, you know. Uh, Very, very Dr. Seuss patterns and things like that. uh, (laughs) That's true. Except with like less depth.
1: (laughs) Yeah, a little bit. Um, There definitely was like a lot of the classic, um, except elements in this song, though. Like Mm -hmm. that's true. You you definitely know it's them. Yeah, which is cool.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And it was a little bit more adventurous. Like it felt like a bit more of a journey to listen to it, which I always enjoy. Mm -hmm. Um. So yeah, it was, this is I, I, my kind of overriding impression of the whole album was that like, you, it really could have been an EP of solid songs. If you take off some of the cringy ones and made like a five song EP with the best songs, that would be pretty cool. And this is one that probably would merit inclusion on that.
2: Just out of curiosity, Rev, do you, do you feel that way about a lot of, a lot of like metal albums, especially like newer ones? Um. Yeah. I mean, not, not
0: always, but, but certainly, um, I've, I think a lot of albums could probably be shortened. (laughs) And uh, I think a lot of these like, you know, newer albums by legacy bands end up feeling that way, especially because, you know, in their live set, you know, even if they put out a really good record, they're only going to be carrying forward two or three of those songs, probably in their sets and on future compilations and things like that. And the rest of them are just going to fade into obscurity. Yeah. And
2: it'll get whittled down. Like the next album comes out, they'll probably play one of those right exactly tour you know maybe
1: yeah
0: um so yeah in a case like this i don't really feel that every song needs to be here (laughs) um Mm -hmm. but i you know there's there's enough that i do enjoy listening to that i'm not saying the whole thing should be thrown away i just think you Mm -hmm. know maybe once you get to a certain point in your career you should think about like maybe we should just release 35 minute album get in and out and really like hit them with the best stuff
2: i mean that's what the classics were you know i mean there are reasons for that obviously like limitations with the format and you know budgets and all that kind of stuff but i feel like the albums were kind of better for that like very few albums warrant um a 50 to 60 plus minute you know time span yeah like at least at least in terms of like heavy music
0: Uh, i think so too especially in in a band like this where it's um a bit more of a straight ahead songwriting style, you know, yeah. this is not, it's not a progressive album by any stretch of the imagination. So
2: mm-hmm.
0: it's, each song kind of has a, a familiar format. And if, 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 if one of them has a few elements that aren't quite working, like overnight sensation, it yeah. it probably should have just, you know, made it onto the B sides compilation. If that, it may have should have just ended up on the cutting room floor. Right.
2: Um,
1: yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, it, it, I guess that comes to a bit of self-editing, um,
2: but I mean, a lot of these, a lot of these larger bands though start with way more songs too. Yeah,
1: that's like, true. And
2: then... Like, I'm, I'm a little bit—I I would be curious to hear like um, some interviews with um, Acceptor Andy Sneap where they talk about this because sometimes they'll let slip, like, "Oh yeah, we had like 40 song ideas or 40 riff ideas, and we eventually got it down to the best 20, recorded those, and then picked the best." In this case 11 out of those maybe there's a japanese bonus track or something if bands are still doing that so yeah i'd be curious to know like how many they started with
1: yeah you know. for sure um but yeah it's speaking of songs that they had that they started with the next one is my favorite title on the record because sucks to be you um, <laughs> it's an amazing title um and it is it is funny like like i it's a hilarious song and it super, it's super fun though. Like, you know, I was, yeah. I, I I was surprisingly kind of into this one as silly as it was. Cause mm-hmm. you know, I don't think it's intended to be anything serious. I think it's intended to be like a little bit lighthearted and and whatever, but actually I, I had some fun with this one. It was like, yeah, it's a banger.
0: It, yeah. It is. It's, it's fun. But, although it's, it's, it's kind of funny from a lyrics perspective. Like after the first half of the album was all complaining about internet, culture like this album's lyrics sure kind of read like a facebook comment you know
2: (laughs) yeah 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 that's a good point i never (laughs) thought about that one but you know that's great
1: yeah it just it it, it was i don't know i didn't have much i didn't have much of an opinion on this song either way it was just kind of there it was kind of kind of silly um it almost sounded like it could be an exodus song on like uh one of their more modern records of rob dukes on it because he always had songs about how he like some guy was like pissing him off and you want to beat him up or some loser like leeching <laughs> on his life or something. And really right. that guy's just shit staying on life. So whatever. <laughs> um <laughs> don't like that guy.
0: Sucks but, to be him, right? That's what you're it trying does.
2: to say. Sucks to <laughs> be that guy. Yeah yeah, yeah
1: Yeah. Um but I don't know. I don't know if you guys had any serious thoughts about that song. It was
2: just kind of there for me. I was like, yeah, all right. Nope. Yeah, I don't really know if there are
0: serious thoughts to have about that song. Honestly, <laughs>
2: <but>. <laughs> yeah, there's not much. You can't really write a dissertation about that one. But it's a, it's, it's a fun song. It's a banger. Um, it was, um, I, I feel like it kind of, like it, it sort of gets into this thing where like a lot of the, they, they start reusing tempos mm-hmm. when, you get, when you get to the halfway point. And sometimes when you get, when you get into past the fifth or sixth track, that's when my attention will start to wane because you'll just hear bands start to reuse rhythmic patterns, tempos, yeah. and, and and I think
1: that was where I was with this one too. I was just like, I, I, I like I know what's going to happen here. I'm not really too mm-hmm. interested in this song at all. It's it's not bad, but
2: it's just kind of there. Mm-hmm. I will say that the next one though, Symphony of Pain, I like yeah. this one. Yeah, this is a
0: cool track. This is the highlight of the album for me. Um, mm-hmm. Part of it's because it gets into my my wheelhouse. It's about Beethoven. At least that's how I interpret it. Um, and it quotes uh, not one, but two oh, yeah. symphonies. Yeah. Um, it's got, in, in the in the bridge section, it's got, well, first it's got a, a, a sort of a, a quote of the, the ninth symphony, the Ode to Joy. <cleave> mm-hmm. But in a minor key, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And, and then it, it, it's like the guitar solo is over that. And then when it transitions back into the chorus, It plays um, a little quote of the Fifth Symphony. Yeah. Yeah. But instead of going into the dun 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 dun, it goes back into the chorus. And that's when I looked at the lyrics and I was like, oh, this is actually a song about Beethoven, I think, because it's got these lyrics about, uh, you know, it's a silent prison. Yeah. Music is is my only, what does he say? You know, music is the only escape, kind of like it seems to be.
2: Melodies held hostage in my head. You know, I'm actually reading the like we're kind of talking about the songs. I'm looking at the lyrics, and I never actually looked at the lyrics until now. I've been listening, but yeah, I never for some reason I never I never connected the I never connected connected what you're describing until just now. But no, that's actually very that actually makes me like the song more even. Yeah, except except has
0: a little bit of a history with Beethoven. I mean, I'm thinking back to the title track of Metal Heart that has the uh, fear release section. Yep. Um, Yeah.
2: It's always been a, like an ingredient of, I, I mean, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Wolf Hoffman's thing, mm-hmm. the melodicism. I of, think it uh, is. Pulling in, yeah, pull, pulling in like Baroque and classical composers and things like that. Um, it's always been a, a thing that he's done. And I think th- this might be a discussion we we'll go into later, but I, f- I feel like the, the world of like power metal and traditional metal owes quite a bit to wolf hoffman and people don't really talk about that but mm-hmm. i feel like he was a guy like an early example of a guy to do stuff like that totally 100 like, and make it like a make the really like anthemic kind of um, melodic sensibilities that like bands like halloween are known for yeah, yeah. And, you know he
1: he started taking like um back in the early days he definitely started taking like what the scorpions were doing because you know, there's definitely a Scorpions influence in Accept Music, you know. Oh, and, yeah. There, ha-
2: there. Any German band, there has to be, yeah. you know. But then you, he's adding
1: stuff like, you know, ACDC in there. And he's adding, like, um you know, all these different other elements to it. And you're right. Like, really turning, taking what they're doing and making it even more anthemic and, you know, making it mm-hmm. heavier, uh, and making it rock harder. And, yeah, it was... He, he's very influential, I think um, and the neoclassical
0: yeah. references are really fun, um, and it's really mm-hmm. cool to hear that that uh juxtaposition between like the kind of straight ahead rock music that's like really fun and kind of simple on the surface. But once you start to go below that, you realize there's all this subtle stuff going on, and there's like you know <laughs> references that kind of indicate his education as a musician, which is cool to hear um. There's is a I'm sure there's stuff that I'm not catching but there's even like the last track that instrumental track also has mm-hmm. a um, it's got a yeah. quote of Borjak new world Borshak, yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah
1: yeah yeah going back to Symphony of Pain like this is also probably my favorite one on the record too it's just there's even like a bit of a power metal influence going on like you mm-hmm. can hear hey, they kind of bridge into that territory and this this to me harkens more back to the stuff they were doing on Blood of the Nations and yeah. it just kind of made me wonder like where was this on this record for the rest
2: of it? I I kinda want more of that. Yeah, the the chorus is really strong in this one, just like the the sort of forward like chugga 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 mm-hmm. chugga, chugga 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 just it just has this like forward motion. It just kinda like rolls over you like a like a tank or and, yeah. like hits mm-hmm. you like a like a wave that you, know, you just can't stop it. And, lots of uh,
1: a, lots of cool like guitar uh, melodies, some cool harmonies going on. Yeah, it's just it's a great yeah. tune, man. And
2: yeah, I just—I like was driving my Mustang while I
1: was listening to it, and I can know it's a good song when that then that
2: needle starts to go over 100 miles per hour. <laughs> yeah, this yeah. is a good tune. Yeah, it uh, just uh that that snare just on top of the beat, you know, on top of the yeah. beat, the, like the vocals and the riffs just kind of surging forward. Just it hits like a wave, you know. It does, man. It's this cool. great tune.
1: Um, so they follow this up with a, a bout called "The Best Is Yet to Come," mm-hmm. and this starts, and I'm immediately i was like oh boy here we go but i actually liked it yeah i was, I, I liked it I, I was surprised about how much i liked it like martinillo hits a completely different voice on this and i think cool. does a really good job in the verses of singing them melodically um the lyrics are like overly positive which i actually really enjoyed. like I, yeah i enjoy I mean, like i enjoy that
0: I really like this one too, and in part I think because I identified with what he's saying in the lyrics. Um, mm-hmm. You know that 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 he's uh, describing this kind of optimism, but there is a little bit of a. There's a, there's a couple of things kind of working against that and creating a tension that I liked. like. Like obvi- the whole thing is in a minor key, um, so you get that the best is yet to come, and it sounds kind of sounds more gloomy. And of course he's kind of saying on my deathbed I'll still be saying the best is yet to come, and it's a li- there's a little bit of a wink in that too uh and so i liked it i i I think it it really works and i i i liked the groove of it and uh i think part of what made it work is that it's i think it's probably an honest song for him that it's Mm -hmm. coming from a real a real place that's the sense Mm -hmm. i got
1: what you touched on there is something i was going to talk about how he how it's a positive thing but he's singing in a minor key which makes it gives it a sense of melancholy Mm -hmm. it really reminded me of like a lot of the 1970s ballads that i like like even like artists like Joan Baez and stuff like how it's mm-hmm. like or, or like it, how they just sing in that melancholy vibe and it had a very 70s vibe to me overall I get that. It's, and, and, and I, I I think I was surprised that uh, the song surprised me I expect I thought I was when it started I was like oh this is gonna suck but it, it, I was like I fucking I really liked it it was my mm-hmm. it was probably my number two on the whole record
2: cool mm-hmm. It was a grower. Like the the first time I heard it, I was I was kind of meh about it. But you know, I I think I listened to the, the album like three or four times, and by the last time, I was enjoying it a lot more. And yeah. I do I do I do like that. Mark's busting out a different a different voice, like a, like a more melodic style of singing, which is cool. And uh, yeah, and it's, yeah, thinking about thinking about the lyrics, it's kind of um, it's kind of sad too. You can you can almost read it like you know you can almost read it like a guy who's He's always like he—he's always trying. He's always going for it. and he's going for it, and he never gets there. And even on his deathbed, he's still, he still—he still thinks like, you know, he's—he's he's gonna, gonna scale to that mountain. You know, mm-hmm. it's a—it uh, it, can—you know—it can be like almost like um, like a lost soul kind yeah. of thing, almost, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's searching for something, he's—he's he's never gonna find it, but he's convinced these, that he is.
1: These two songs, to me, like the last two we're talking about, are like just not so much even the like partially musically I think these two songs are the most interesting musically on the record as well um I just wish they did more of this kind of stuff and less of the you know straight ahead kind of lunk-headed um internet bad technology bad kind of
0: stuff. like I just <laughs> yeah. wish there
1: was more of this this is good like these last two songs this is this is really good shit and this is what they did this is akin to like the new fresh creativity they had on those early 2010 records that were just you know so awesome, and um, I just wish I heard more of it.
0: Yeah, I would agree. So, yeah, yeah. and that's, that's
1: just yeah, how then, I remember that.
0: Then we get the like last I don't know the last couple the eight the nine and ten slot songs didn't really stand out to me. Like I honestly don't have a lot to say about them. I don't know if you guys really. <laughs> yeah, I would be there. Um, they're not bad but um, it's more kind of I think that that song How Do We Sleep is kind of trying to be it's trying to address contemporary issues but in a way that oh we just lost we lost lost Jeff he'll come
1: back (laughs) (laughs) but yeah this is the joy of podcasting folks sometimes uh, technology sometimes technology is bad
0: (laughs) yeah right let's write a song about it
1: yeah let's write a whole album about how technology is bad but We'll get yep. Jeff back in here in a minute, but yeah, the next Sucks songs, to be Zoom. <laughs> sucks to be Zoom, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the um, the whole uh, I don't know the the, the, the next two songs. The next two songs, um, I didn't have a lot to. I didn't think much of them either. How do we sleep? Is more of the, it's kind of more of the same quasi um, political stuff that, uh, yeah, it's it's kind of the, the same quasi political stuff that was going on before that I was like uh just not resonating with me it just doesn't seem overly genuine or anything um i like the little drum intro on how do we sleep um musically it was just fine um same with like yeah not my problem was yeah it's just it's just kind of like more the dad lyrics you know i didn't really have all that much to say um about about that one either it just songs rock pretty hard lyrics are silly
0: yeah, I mean we I, we really don't need Not My Problem and Sucks to Be You cuz those songs are in the same lyrical title uh, musical vein really. I think I, I don't think we need both of those on one album.
1: No, they they're they're, they're it, you're right. It is literally exactly the same shit. Um, so I'm I'm not really I'm not really sure I'm not really sure why they felt the need it had to be there to be two of them. Um, but we got two of them and, uh, I guess we just have to deal with it.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, uh, hang on a second. There comes Mr. Jeff again.
0: All right. Back in the fight.
2: Hey, sorry. I- That's all good, man. This is the, the, the joy of doing a podcast across international borders. Um, that, that was very strange. I've my computer had a stroke it's never it's never done that before <laughs>
1: awesome but uh, anyway we were talking about the next two songs like how do we sleep yeah. and not my problem and just the, it's more of the same rad music straight ahead rockers with some knuckleheaded lyrics kind of was the vibe yeah. we got the most too.
2: yeah and it's, it's, it's kind of a shame that they like the how do we sleep at night has that triplet kind of took it took it it it's the only song that has that it's a little thing yeah yeah, and it's well, a that shame that, that they one, yeah. leave. They, it's a shame that, and they're not the first, I, I've, I've heard other albums that do this where they like leave that song for the end. Yeah. It's like, I kind of wish they would take that, the songs with that tempo and... Um, a little, little bit earlier just because they are it's, it is a different rhythm I'm yeah you know, I'm ready to move on like I yeah. checked out almost yeah but, uh, yeah okay.
0: yeah yeah it's well yeah. I, in, in um, Blood of the Nations I think it's track Teutonic Terror is track two and that's and that's uh, I mean it's a great title but it's a those lyrics are pretty goofy too but it's got that great twelve eight kind of vibe yeah it does
1: so it's, a, it's another that's another cool one um, yeah. And then we come to the closing song, um, Samson, Samson and Delilah, um, really cool little instrumental. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was awesome An odd placement in the album, um, to close with it. I kind of thought myself, if this was my record, I would have stuck it right in the middle. You know, it's, it's kind of like maybe the end of side A or the beginning of side B just to kind of break things up a bit, especially when, as Jeff said earlier, there's a lot of these songs where they're reusing, um, the, the rhythmic the, the rhythms and the fucking um the grooves this would be a cool time to like change that would be a cool time to change it up and i think this would have been really impactful had it come in the middle of the record whereas the end of the record i, just kinda, I was just kind of i i liked it a lot i was like this is a cool mm-hmm. thing but i was a yeah. little confused as to why it was the thing that closed the record
0: yeah yeah i felt kind of similarly because it, it makes it more of an afterthought that way and it's cool i mean you've got those kind of middle eastern scales and then you've got the Dvorak Ninth Symphony melody as the chorus mm-hmm. that melody was also uh, I think the first time I heard that in metal was when and Rhapsody did a whole <laughs> like 10 minute song based entirely around the Dvorak Ninth Symphony
2: yeah, yeah is oh, that, on, that on uh, Ring of a Thousand Flames I think it's on it that one indeed. it is indeed yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, listened
0: to, I listened to that so much when I was like 15
2: <laughs> same here dude. same here man Rhapsody was like the soundtrack of grade 11 for me yeah <laughs>
1: <Nice>. <laughs> so yeah i don't know i guess jeff how did you feel about the closing track
2: you know it, it was funny um it was the song it came on and i was like i was i was like oh this is different this is cool and i was bummed that there were no lyrics in this one <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah i know
1: i was the same thing i'm like oh shit this is like, actually why, no singing? what yeah.
0: <laughs> <Really>? i thought <laughs> yeah, it might have been like a... yeah telling the story of samson and delilah or something which i thought okay well this could yeah. be interesting because this is a um, i think, it seems like Mark Tornillo as a lyricist is at his best when he's like dealing with something really specific that doesn't have to do with himself personally. Like, I don't think it's something like Stalingrad, that really works because it's like about the specific historical thing uh, and not just his Mm -hmm. thoughts. It seems like when we get his thoughts, we don't (laughs) always end up in the best place lyrically, but if we get like the song about Beethoven, it really works. Um, So yeah, I mean, just kind of makes me think again like if 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 you took maybe too mean to die uh the undertaker symphony of pain the best is yet to come and samson and delilah you've got a pretty interesting ep Mm
1: -hmm. you do or for me if you take a couple of these songs and make the lyrics not stupid then i'd be fucking stoked (laughs) like there are a couple songs where i'm like yeah this is awesome because i like i like knuckleheaded fucking rockers i do like i Mm -hmm. listen to kim mitchell a lot there you go i mean like you know but then when these lyrics are just making me cringe, I just, like, like I said, I don't really, and I don't really, it's not that I don't care about lyrics, I do. I appreciate really good lyric writing. It's just like in metal, I don't really pay attention as much because the content, I'd say 80% of the time just isn't that interesting to me. Um, however, these ones were so in my face, I couldn't ignore them and mm-hmm. for that reason i'd say a good like as Rev said a good 60 percent of this album for me is really tough to listen to um the stuff that is good is good and the stuff that isn't good really isn't good that's just
2: kind yeah. of my, my take on this one yeah it was distracting at times you know like like because yeah you're, you're you're enjoying the riffs it's you know there's a lot of a lot of bangers a lot of cool guitar guitar hooks a lot of like really wicked solos and things like that and interesting melodies and, you know, always love hearing Wolf Hoffman play. But yeah, then you just kind of get the, the, the boneheadedness of the uh, of the, the lyrical content does distract from that.
1: Production, A-plus. Like, it sounds, oh. it's Andy Sneap. It does sound like an Andy Sneap record, but it doesn't sound like mm-hmm. one of those typewriter drum, super fake Andy Sneap records. Like, because I think with a band, like, except you don't need to do that. They're all really good players. And um, I thought the yeah. production was excellent. Um, mm-hmm shiny but not ridiculous um I thought the playing was really good it's like I said my only complaint is the lyrics and as as was as Rev pointed out earlier it would have been nice to hear a little more of those gang vocal dynamics some of the more interesting stuff they were playing with in the earlier part of the their reunion uh, when they yeah. had Stalingrad and, and Blood of the Nations and that and I
2: don't mm-hmm. know
1: I mean the last two records I think were kind of the same for me a little bit like the last one, I forget the name of it. Um, it had that silly Kool Aid song, like "Don't drink the Kool Aid." Like, <laughs> yeah, that
2: song. That song. That song rules. <laughs> <laughs> <Totally> rules <dude. laughs> you know, that, that, that's actually the, that's the only song from that album that I heard. I, I I listened to the the three. Yeah, I listened to "Blood of the Nations," "Stalingrad," and uh, "Blind Rage." Blind Rage, yeah. And, like those first two are awesome. Like "Blood of the Nations" was like a that was a big deal when it came out. Huge deal. Was, I saw them on that tour. Yeah.
1: I saw I saw them on that tour. They came to Vancouver with Creator in Mm. 2000 Mm. late 2010 or 2011 yeah and it was like it was probably like the most fun i've ever had at a vancouver like big metal show like Mm -hmm. people people were stoked on that album they sold the place out and like they went on and when creator went on after them no one gave a shit like they blew creator off the stage so fucking hard it was like it it was yeah it was it was one of the best shows i ever saw and like the enthusiasm in the crowd for the, and it wasn't just the old shit. People were there for the blood of the nation stuff. Like it was a huge. Thing. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. When they, when they dropped that Teutonic terror single, it was, it was like a, it was like a moment. It was like a, one of those people where people, it was one of those moments where people were like, it, they were super laudatory over it. Like, like this is how you do a, a comeback album. You Fuck know, yeah. kind of like it's, it's heavy. It's got energy. It's like, got like, like a, there's a lot of power behind it. It sounds earnest. Too, mm-hmm. you know, and then
1: and then yeah, and Stalingrad was like, people were like, Holy yeah. shit, they actually followed it up! Like,
2: really good, they're, yeah. they're, they're doing it.
1: And yeah, yeah. Bl- and Blend Rage was cool, it had its moments. Um, yeah,
2: I kind of that's sort of where they that's sort of where they lost me.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, same, like, it had its moments, but and I mean, maybe just maybe the, the formula is getting a bit worn out, but um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, yeah. I, I didn't, this, this is not an album out- I gotta be honest, this is not an album I'm gonna spend any time with, um, probably. I mean I just I just don't think I'm gonna I mean there are some cool songs on it but I don't think I will really be revisiting it at all it's just lyrically too knuckleheaded for my taste um and I just Mm -hmm. it's it's a bit of a miss for me it's a bit of a miss. um you know it's still it's not like it's not problematic musically to many I don't think except is done I think except has some gas in the tank and the, lyrics, the music is good and the riffs are good enough that they could hopefully come back and make another album that'll blow our socks off. But, you know.
0: There's yeah. a few a few good tracks. I guess the thing that I, I appreciate that in preparation for this podcast, I just went back and really like went on a whirlwind tour of Accept's music. And like now I'm a lot more into it. And so in that sense, like I probably won't be listening to these songs very much, but I'm going to be listening to a lot more Accept than I used to both the oh, old albums and the comeback stuff, because I, there's a lot of great stuff in their catalog. And, uh, you know, I, I might make like an accept playlist and I'll include a couple of these tracks on there. You know, Symphony mm-hmm. of Pain, definitely. Um, and the um, best is yet to come. Mm-hmm. I also want to say the album cover is really cool. Uh, yeah, it is. It's like robot snake with like the tongue made of lightning. Like I'm into it's that. So I, I was kind of sad there wasn't some sort of like robot snake song to go with the album title, but. Actually, that's true. You know, What the would best that have been team-
1: called? Yeah, totally. <laughs> robot snake. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I guess the best is yet to come, might be, Yeah, best thing yet to come might be wind up in a playlist of mine. Like that, that, yeah. that might be a thing. How about you, Jeff?
2: I don't know. Um, I think I think the only song, the only the, the only song where like, you know, I, I kind of like hear it in my head and I want to, and I actually want to go back and hear it is uh, Symphony of Pain. Mm-hmm. The the chorus of that song like really, really uh, got me. I thought that was super cool. But um, aside from that, it can, you know, yeah, I mean, I'm probably not, I don't see myself going back to it anytime soon. And uh, for, for you, Rev, I mean, honestly, if it gets you listening to more classic accept, then it was worth doing this. Exercise. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Totally. totally. All right. So that's uh, all the time we're going to spend with uh with the accept record. Um, but I guess we'll move on. That's, you know, where you guys have kind of got the gist of what we think of that one. Um, so uh, I guess we'll move on to second segment, which is a, a lot of fun, which is our picks of the week. So we all pick something out of our collection. The caveat is you got to own it. It's got to be a metal record. Um, so I'll go first. Um, my pick of the week is high strangeness by mothership. Um, this is an, uh, this is a really cool band out of the Texas. Um,
2: it's quite the cover.
1: Yeah, it is. Um, they, uh, they're a band that my old stoner band, 88 Mile Trip, we toured with them a fair bit. We played a lot of shows with them back in the day. Um, that's kind of how I got into their music. Um, they're signed to Ripple Records. They've been around since 2010. And in twenty in 10 years, they put out six albums and one live album. Um, wow. This one came out in 2017. Um, the core of the band is the, uh, the Jewett Brothers, Kyle and Kelly. Um, these guys are rad. They're some of the coolest guys you can ever meet. They're super fun. They're just, like, two Texas dudes that, like, love rock and roll. They basically live on the road out of their van. They tour absolutely fucking relentlessly. Um, and it, it's straight-up rock and roll. Um, it's There's a lot of, like, Thin Lizzy, UFO, Black Sabbath kind of stuff going on. But then they chuck in, like, some Southern rock, like M- Molly Hatchet, like Lil ZZ Top um, mm-hmm. with some straight-up really heavy stuff and it's a little bit of psych rock in there sometimes, too. So, I mean, it's not – I say it's straight up rock and roll, but it's not simplistic by any stretch of the imagination. Um, These guys definitely, they're a three-piece as well. So um, the bass player sings and um, it's very, they have that rawness about a three-piece too, which is really cool. Um, It's straight up beer drinking music. Um, It's something, but it's also doubles as like really good headphone music too, because a lot of these things, they put these cool psych passages in there. They kind of put this little trippy, these little trippy moments in there as well. And I don't know if this is my favorite album by them. I think um, number two is my favorite album by them, it's just called Mothershit 2. Um, I think that's probably my favorite. Um, they have a song on there called Hot Smoke and Heavy Blues, which is one of the most badass songs I've heard in a while. But this one, I think I picked this one because it's their most mature album. Um, I think like they've definitely um, started um, experimenting a little more with, with songwriting structures and with different sounds. And I think they're evolving from just like kind of a Texas beer drinking rock band into something that's going to be a lot more interesting to listen to. So, yeah, if you have heard Mothership and, uh, you know, you just like something that's a little more rock and roll oriented, like I really do, um, very much worth checking out.
2: Where did you uh, tour with them? You said you toured with them.
1: Just around BC. Um, like they, they came up, uh, I think it was, God, it must have been 2014 or something. Um, they came up and they played, we played at the Hindenburg in Vancouver together. Oh, okay. And then we did a couple other dates around smaller town, BC with those guys. And then it was funny. We actually, the last 88 mile trip show that ever happened was in Seattle. We opened for a band called truck fighters. I don't know if you guys are familiar with them, but they're, I've heard of them, yeah. Yeah, they're a really big, really big stoner rock band from Sweden. And the night before that show, uh, mothership was playing, um, the same venue they were playing like the night before. So we went down there and hung out with those guys and had a blast at that, at that show too so cool um yeah every time they're on every like even if they're a band but like even if they're on a bill with other bands that i don't care for i'll still go because they're uh, they, they they tend to get put on a lot of tour packages you know those fucking tour packages with like a lot of medium-sized bands, like eight of them on one bill and you yeah. got to sit through a lot of bands you don't want to see to see what i still go to those to see mothership because live they're they're just crazy like Kelly mm-hmm. kind of like runs all over the fucking venue with his guitar and yeah, they, they rock really hard. They're a lot of fun.
2: So highly, highly recommend. And you said it's two guys? Uh, there's what's that? So and you said there's three. Did you say there's two members?
1: Three. There's a third three, three please. Okay. So there's okay. two brothers. Two brothers and then the okay. and they have a drummer with them too. So it's uh yeah, really good guys, really good band. So highly
2: recommend. Yeah, yeah I'm not familiar with them at all. I've never uh, I've never listened to them.
1: I'll send you I'll send you a YouTube link or two. You, you might dig mm-hmm. it.
2: Cool. Yeah,
0: I'd like to check it out. I've heard of them, but I don't think I've heard them at all. So definitely down to check it out. As yeah, as
1: Motorhead I, once said, we're the band you've heard of but never heard.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Was, I, I recognize the cover. I, I think I've just seen it lying around your living room. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I've ever listened to it. Yeah, it gets it's on the turntable a lot.
1: It's a good like, you know, thing to put on. I, I, for some reason I really like on like Sunday morning, Saturday morning when I'm like cooking breakfast, I really like to listen to like Stoner Rock or Southern Rock. I don't know why, just seems to put me in a good mood to like cook eggs benedict or some
2: shit yeah <laughs> it. Does, does it help you select your spices better it does i guess I mean, stuff from texas
1: <laughs> exactly yeah. maybe yeah. maybe it's that southern of thing i don't know makes me want to cook potato hash or whatever nice, <laughs>
2: nice.
1: all right who else? anyone Whoever? where are you go next man
0: yeah well um i don't know I, i'm kind of realizing like i don't there's actually a, i don't have a huge amount of music on hard copy i've been kind of building a vinyl collection over the past couple of years well so oh, good I'm, thing we only
1: do this once a week
0: yeah right (laughs) I've been trying to uh so I'm I'm trying to kind of like throw out a little foundation of of classic 80s metal since that's what we kind of talk about here before I start throwing crazy curveballs at you because I think it's going to start happening at some point um but um I I was raised in a really like anti-hair metal household um (laughs) and and definitely was kind of snobbish about it I think for a long time I'd only ever really heard and like had the concept in my head that you see on like VH1, you know, with like poison and I don't know, mm-hmm. cherry pie and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm going to talk about the the sort of one hair metal album I have in my collection right now, which is Under Lock and Key by Dokken. Um, I actually Where's discovered that? this one, you um, know, I'd heard like at band practice, you guys, you know, Jesse talking about Dokken and George Lynch and stuff. Um, and uh, I think we were at somebody's house on tour and the the hostess was like, oh, go pick out an album. And I was just like looking through the albums and I saw this album cover and I'm like, man, it's like two in the morning. Everybody's drinking. This is a big yellow album cover with some dudes wearing actually kind of cool outfits when you really look at it. Look, I was in there.
1: Vancouver, Washington. That was after the
2: heavy yeah, metal yeah, brewing right. company fiasco.
0: And yeah. that is oh the perfect God.
2: situation to first hear that album.
0: Yeah. Yeah and so i threw it on i'm like man this is actually really fun i, I really like this and then just like i don't know a couple weeks after that i was in a local record shop and uh and saw this for five bucks picked it up and it's it really has become it's funny that you mentioned um breakfast cooking album because this is like really become one of my breakfast making albums this is a new um, fucking thing someone, yeah.
1: should make a, someone should make a playlist on, on youtube like, like i was laughing about this my... metal, metal for now, there was an album called breakfast. metal for breakfast but right. there was a playlist it was a compilation <laughs> well, right that's right, right. Yeah, with that weird looking dude eating ball bearings on the
0: cover well at the <laughs> beginning of the pandemic i did do my kids my metal song for kids called heavy metal breakfast that went there you go a it's tiny a thing, tiny yeah. bit viral but uh, but yeah this is this is a, a this is a good breakfast album for me because it's like it's just very listenable it's it goes down really smooth but it's really well done all the you know all the performances are really great uh Don Dawkins sounds great. All unchain of, the
1: night, dude. Unchain the fucking night. So even like
0: even the way that intro starts, it's like it's got this you know great acoustic um, or clean guitar like darker sounding intro and and I think maybe a lot of it won me over about it is just that it's um, it's it's classy, you know. It's not it's not sloppy. It's not one of these kind of trashy hair metal albums. It's pop metal but it's it's executed really well the riffs are really great um and it's it still really rocks like it it you know of course like in my head maybe I would prefer if it had like you know lyrics about ancient castles and battles and whatnot but but it really like it, it just really works for me and it every song is pretty good except possible exception of the first ballad uh, slipping away. It's a little, it's just pushing the needle on the like ballad cheese thing for me just a little bit. Um, But it follows up with lightning strikes again, which is just a, classic song on the record. And and I think a lot of people in this scene know this record. So I'm I'm probably not breaking new ground for anyone. But if there is anyone out there who's like me and is a bit of like, oh I'm a serious minded musician. I don't listen to hair metal, but you you suspect that maybe it's time to uh to kind of branch out into the pop metal territory. I think this is a great album to start with. Um because it's now kind of got me past that initial phase of like, yeah, I can listen to guys who dress like this and and so I've kind of started to branch out into some more of the hair metal that's more, I guess you'd say, music forward. So I've started listening to more like Winger and Tesla, mm. um, stuff like that. So um, and it, it, anyway, so yeah, if you're out there listening, Mom and Dad, I'm sorry, but Lightning Strikes <laughs> Again was just too
2: good. Too good. <laughs> One over.
1: It's <laughs> like a time for a quick aside here. With that, to that time you listened to that album, that was probably like the most, that was probably the worst Greyhawk show we ever did. It was like we were playing, we we were supposed to play in Portland and the Portland gig fell through with like two weeks left to go on our little mini tour. And we had to go all the way to Medford, which is like in Southern Oregon. It's about seven hours away and it's like, well, we'll still do it. But like that kind of sucks to drive eight hours to play a Chinese food restaurant in Medford, Right. But Mm. so I kind of put the feelers out there on the internet, like, Hey, if anyone knows of something in like Portland or like on the way to Medford, Eugene, wherever. Let us know because we'd love to get a second show. So we got a show at this brewery in southern Washington. And we we're like, all right, well, it'll be something, we don't know what it is. So we pull up, and you know, it's happened to me a couple times over the years where you're you're go to a venue and it's a really small venue, but the sound guy takes his job so seriously. And he thinks he's doing sound at Madison Square Garden. So we get up there Nate sets up his drums and he starts putting one of those fucking like church glass bubbles around the drum set. And
2: I'm just like, what are you doing,
1: man? And he's like, well, I can't have, we got to make sure that the, the guitars don't bleed into the drum mics. And oh I'm God. like, it's, it's a live show. It's all going to bleed into everything. It doesn't fucking matter. And then, so anyway, like, but he was not going to budge on it. So Nate had to be the, 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 the bubble boy drummer that set and then he he was really insistent that I play his bass amp. He's like, dude, you got to play my amp. And it was like some old fucking PB thing. And I'm like, I don't want to play your amp, dude. I have my own amp. That's like why I have one. Because it's my, I haven't dialed into sounds I like. But he was 100% insistent that I played his PB amp. Because he hasn't dialed into this room. I've dialed it into the acoustics of this room. And I'm like, looking around, I'm thinking about it. And I kind of like really, and you know me, if like, someone gets in my face about that, I'm probably going to get back in their face about it. But I looked around and there's literally like our merch girl, our guitar player's wife, and like a family and like two old people. I was like, you know what? I'll play it just like It's not even worth going to get it out of the fucking band.
2: So I'm like. Play the course you're on, man.
1: Yeah. I'm like, I'll just, I'll just play it. And it was like, God, dude. I mean, at least the pizza was good, but that was just one of those gigs that you take and you're like, we should have just like driven straight to Bedford.
2: <laughs> wow,
1: it was yeah. it was it was very it was a very very intense game But yeah, Rev discovered Doc at the after party. So little did I know until <laughs> was... right now something good came of it.
0: <laughs> well, you know, there, there was like, you know, the, that one soccer mom and like the one old biker dude. And, oh yeah, those they and, were funny as fuck. And and they bought merch. And I I've definitely seen that dude at like one of the other shows we played in Portland. So. You know, I, I don't. Anytime you make a fan, I guess that's worthwhile too. It's true. It's
1: true. It was just, you know, I was the one to book that show, so I was mad.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty funny to see Nate in like the bubble. He was so sad. Oh, he
1: was not happy about it, dude. Like Nate was just <laughs> back there fucking glowering the whole time. Oh, and you man, know, just just
2: quarantining before it was cool.
1: Yeah, and it's just like Nate's yeah. the guy that like I've seen him get irritated, and I never want to. I, I I know there's probably a threshold. And I never want to see that threshold get passed, you know, because it just seems like it would probably be pretty dangerous if he never, like, snapped.
2: <laughs> yeah, he look, he looks like a hard-hitting motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, dude. All right, Jeff, what do you – enough of that shit. What do you, what do you got uh, for us, buddy? But before, before we move on, I just want to say on the subject of Doc, and we should also talk about how cool Jeff Pilsen is. Yeah, dude. He, he doesn't get talked about enough, mm-hmm. I feel like. You know, like, I, every, I, you know I, everyone, everyone, you know, Dawkins, Don Dawkins, obviously, and everyone knows George Lynch because he's sick. But, like, Jeff Pelson is, like, the secret weapon of that, of that band. I agree. You know, he co-wrote their biggest hits, and he's played in literally every other band. You know, yeah, I was in he in Foreigner? Other band journey, he's like, in Foreigner right now. Yeah. When I when I saw Foreigner, he was with them. And um, he was in, I mean, he was in Dio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Played play, played with Dio and um, God. Um, oh, th- th- this is funny. He was uh, he was the voice of Johnny Cage in one of the Mortal Kombats. <laughs> no, <way. Fuck laughs> no way! No way, man. For real. One like, like, a slightly more recent Mortal Kombat, but he was Johnny sick. Cage. That's awesome. And he was in the movie Rockstar Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> so Pilsen played. He played on uh, Lock Up the Wolves. Is that the Dio album he was on? Um, or I'm not sure about that. Ones? I know he was on uh, Strange Highways.
0: Yeah. Oh. Okay. Cool. And yeah. I know. He,
2: I know he was is on this, Strange Highways.
0: Is this him in the purple with the the fab eyeliner, or is this is he the awkward looking blonde guy at the end over here? Or is that probably the, the guy
2: blonde the guy? He's blonde. Yeah. I'm I'm assuming he's. They were all sure. a little unrecognizable back then. of all yeah. the makeup. <laughs> 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 yeah. All just kind of looked like
1: the same chick back then. So.
2: Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um. He also played on Master of the Moon, with Dio. Oh, cool! The light, one of the later uh, Dio solo albums. That's yeah, that's
0: a good album too. I'm probably gonna talk about that. I'm,
1: I'm glad you said that, Jeff, because he's he's always been one of my favorites, especially for the st- when I play like stuff like Greyhawk or whatnot. Like the the bass players like him and Jimmy Bain and uh, Rudy Sarzo are de- definitely the guys that I look to a little bit more in this mm-hmm. genre for what I like to do. Um, and yeah, I think i think he's one of the most he's just one of the most absolutely solid bass players i've ever like that's going in that scene and you know a brilliant songwriter as well
2: yeah yeah he he was uh yeah he's he's just he's like a secret weapon you know he's he's done a lot he's been around he's and he's got a great reputation
1: he seems like one of those guys that everyone just likes you know he seems like a
2: pro and he's uh apparently plays a lot i mean he's known for playing bass but apparently he plays all kinds of stuff apparently he's like a multi-instrumentalist very cool yeah know? i mean
0: i know he's doing some of the background vocals on this and, and that's one of the his backing uh, vocals album. are
1: great like if yeah. you can watch live footage like live in japan his backing vocals are awesome
0: cool yeah i think i, I it's it's time for me to get a little deeper into docking because i actually only know this album i know that it, it, like uh yeah. a couple of the later ones but back for the attack and uh was it tooth and tooth and claw
2: tooth
1: and nail tooth and nail it's kind of like yeah. the quintessential one
0: okay
2: I, they're, they're almost like a super group kind of you know mm-hmm. Like in a way, like, like all, all the guys in that band were sort of I feel like they were well known musicians in that area before they started docking.
0: Yeah. You know, they they
2: they're kinda of like some dudes who had some experience under their belts already. And so they they were almost almost a super group in a way. The way that the, the band worked, I feel like.
1: Yeah. All right, man. Well let's see what you got for us for picks of the week.
2: I got Night of the Storm Rider.
1: <laughs> no we're not,
2: no we're not we're not going to talk about that it could
1: be rewritten like night of the fucking extradition night of,
2: <laughs> night of the uh storming the capital yeah i don't know man yeah no we're not going to talk about that <laughs> really that, that
1: th- fucking that fucking prick seems to appear on every one of our podcasts so we might as well keep it going
2: yeah <laughs> i just uh man it just it just sucks that like so many of my high school heroes have just been collectively showing their assholes over the past five years. Yeah. It makes me sad because he's the
1: goddamn king of it too. So
2: man, it it makes me so sad because like ice earth was a huge influence, like a huge influence, not, not, not even just like on me as a musician, but as like a fan of music, like ice earth is one of the first, like real heavy metal bands that I like got into, you know, ice earth and blind guardian kind of side by side they were like the first band shirt i ever bought i literally like went and like picked up a guitar for the first time because of the the song wolf from horror show mm-hmm. you know great like, great it was, song. yeah so they yeah they're huge dude, huge out. for
1: me dude yeah huge mm-hmm. for me in high school i not so much yeah. in high school i was a little bit older but yeah they were a massive band for me um a lot, the early, my old thrash band i was in uh, entropia like our early stuff was a little more power metal and we had a huge influence by like, our, yeah we had a title track that we wrote that was this long epic and it was really inspired by the music and the structures and the riffs on the uh in the dark saga trilogy so,
2: right right i remember spending so much time in like grade 10 grade 11 like whenever i saw a kid like wearing a metallica shirt i would like try to get them to listen to eisterth like like so I would I would like punish them with ice <laughs> turf. Like, yeah, I was, I was, it was it was bad. <laughs> and here we are now. Here we are. Now, now now it's just it's just it's just hilarious. Now he's punishing us. <laughs> he's, yeah, he is the punishment due. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't want to talk about that too, too much more. <laughs> it, it's, it's funny It's hard not to. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, absolutely. But I got, I got a couple of things. I wanted to, I wanted to pull out this guy. Now I, I'm, I have, I have records, um, but I'm, I kind of don't find myself putting on records that much. I just don't think about it that much. I'm more of a CD guy, I play them in the car a lot. Um, what about so, breakfast? That's the important question. What do you do for I'm a I'm a podcast for breakfast guy. Oh, okay. I, to be uh, honest, I don't I don't really do breakfast that much. But I'll, I'll you know I'll do like I'll make like a nice coffee in the morning and like make a shake for later and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I'm a I'm a podcast in the morning cool. guy. I yeah. guy. I get I get inspired by listening to badass pod- podcasts. Nice, but um i did i did bring out something uh, kind of interesting that i think more people should know about this is a band from canada called um antioch and this band is i believe they're, they're from somewhere in ontario i want to say windsor but it could be wrong from somewhere in ontario though um and yeah they had this they've been around for a while i'm i'm holding in my hand right now this is um an album called land of no Kings. This is their, I want to say it's their fourth album. It is their fourth cause it has the Roman numeral for four on the spine. That's how I know it's a fourth <laughs> album. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's really good. It's a sweet album. It's, it's really sweet and all their albums are cool. In fact, um, I kind of discovered them by accident, kind of just trolling the uh, new wave of uh, traditional heavy metal channel and i saw i saw this cover and i'm like that looks dope so i checked it out and it's uh it's great it's like really banging like fantasy heavy metal and it's got like it's got some unique quirks to it like some of the vocal stylings are like a little just like a little more out there but not too weird it's just like some stuff that's a little more unusual some interesting tempo and like rhythmic changes that are a lot of fun um it's and it's produced quite well too it's not super hyped not super modern but it has this nice nice kind of earthy quality everything's very um very legible i've mm-hmm. a better term and it, it just it just sounds good it's a good it's a good feeling um they're a good feeling band they have like really cool all, all their albums have cool covers and yeah, I mean, they, they got they, like some of these song titles are tight, like "Screams in the North," "Beware of yeah, the just Black." I this know. up,
0: and I'm looking at these song titles, and they yeah, I like a lot of these.
2: Dungeon Runner, dude, yeah, yes. <laughs> they're they're cool. Like they're they're a cool band. And so I found them, I found them on this channel, and you know they're they they're not, it's, and it's not like they're kind of um, like they're kind of under the radar, but they're like in the they got five figures on their album lessons, so it's not like nobody's heard of them, but. That. But at the same time, it's like nobody's heard of them, you know. No one talks about these guys, and it's a shame. And I got I got a hold of them. Um, I got a hold of some of the guys in the band. Just be like, yo, like you guys are, you guys are dope. You guys are sick. And did like a did like a like a merch trade with them and got all their albums. And so I've been I've been blasting this one lately, uh, Land of No Kings. That's when I, I I get them mixed up sometimes. Land of No Kings. So check it out. It's quirky. It's fun. It's cool. Um, unique. But it's not like. It's not alienating, though. And I think that these guys just need to get a little bit more traction. I think a um, label, um, I think one of the European labels needs to pick these guys up. I think No Remorse or Cruz del Sur or High Roller or like one of those types of outfits should uh, give these guys a shot. I'm not sure if anyone has yet because it's a shame. And I think they would do really well if given, the right, uh, if, uh, given access to a larger platform.
1: Cool. I'll have oh. to check them out. Never heard a, yeah. never, honestly, never heard a note they played. So I'll have to listen.
2: Yeah. Yep. It, they, Add this cool, to man. my list. It's, it's like got all the stuff that grabs my attention. Like this album cover, it's a wizard with lightning hands, and there's like a herd of like black unicorns with lightning eyes like coming out of his hand. And like, and in his other hand, <laughs> he's holding a sword, and the unicorns are like running along the sword, dude nice
0: it looks like the one in the front is like a unicorn with three heads i'm looking at it right now
2: you're right yeah it's like a crazy yeah i i I don't even know what's going on but it's dope
0: yep i i i can get behind that
2: all right yeah it's really cool i think like especially folks like folks who are into Greyhawk and if you're into my band gatekeeper and like any bands of that style that do the kind of like traditional metal with like some fantasy lyricism and you know, a little bit of fun. You know, some, some fun stuff involved, and some weird like mysticism, some twists and turns. I think you would get a lot out of this one. That so, sounds right. Like it's right up my alley, yeah man. It's pretty sweet. Same here. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Thanks. Yeah. So yeah, I wanted to bust out something a little something a little uh off the path. For sure, dude. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. All right.
1: Well, those are our picks of the week, and hopefully, uh, hopefully, everyone we you get some out of it. If you had not heard any of these records, um sounds like i have at least one to check out and if you haven't heard these 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 uh, albums um head out and give them a shot you know that's a, that's kind of one of the whole points of this podcast why we're doing deep dives on newer records and mm-hmm. bringing our picks of the week is to try to encourage people to listen to more stuff i mean we we all get stuck in our musical ruts it's a thing we have mm-hmm. that happens to all of us especially as you get a little bit older like i am you know no one's getting any younger um it's 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 easy to just dismiss um new music it's easy to kind of keep listening to the same things over and over but you know it's it's i think i think it's important to always have like a bit of a thirst for new stuff and 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 i want mm-hmm. to to get new stuff in your ears it definitely it it, it, it since we've been doing this has definitely helped my brain wake up a little bit and uh um, i've been
2: really do you, do you guys i got a question for you guys do you guys ever go through phases where you don't check out new music
1: oh yeah oh yeah
2: like and like I mean, like like long phases like like a year or more even
1: I think that's the main reason why one of the reasons why we started these podcasts is that's exactly where I was at. You know, I mean, in this past year, it's just been, um, I mean, part of it is being in a band and making a record. Um, you know, as well as I do, like when you're making an album, it can consume you. And it's really hard Mm -hmm. when you're trying to make an album of your own to listen to other stuff. And I think we just came out of making a record that honestly was probably the easiest record I ever made. I mean, um, I, awesome. I, oddly enough, like keepers of the. I've been involved with some monster projects that have taken years, and this one mm-hmm. was actually easily the fat I mean, fuck, we turned it around in under six months. Um, that's pretty started, good.
2: That's that's pretty good for a. full tracking you know, self financed. The first
1: mm-hmm. the first drum hit happened in November, and we fit we had it released by June. So that's um,
2: that's Not pretty bad. damn good. That's that's pretty good actually for like a, for like a self financed album at the quality that you guys put out, that's pretty, that, that's a good turnaround. It's,
1: yeah. It's and, but I mean, I was, I was kind of at, at a point where, you know, I'm, I'm a 40 year old dude now and you know, I get, I definitely have my, have heard the best music I'm ever going to hear. You know, that's that? fucked. I know it's totally getting your 40 now. I know. <laughs> so uh, it's pretty fucked. Um, but um, <laughs> we, uh, you know, I, I can definitely get stuck in my rut of just listening to Dio albums every day. Not that that's mm-hmm. a bad thing you know you you definitely i definitely think that this listening to this podcast and having to like not just check out a record but actually get into it you know and mm. actually really listen to it and sit down and listen to the whole damn thing um is um has been really fun and it's kind of like rekindled my faith in um the the music that people are playing like listening to like the new witch hazel and the new iron savior mm. records and yeah you know last week we reviewed the new adamantus record and cool that's a Fucking great debut you
2: know? it's so um, great i yeah. i almost pulled that i almost pulled that for my pick of the week too yeah and it's it's
1: um it's there's a lot there's a lot of really cool stuff happening and it's kind of made me realize that that you know metal's mm-hmm. very strong right now and there's a lot of cool shit coming out
0: what about you i think it, I, I think it helps to yeah i mean i uh I went through kind of an extended period of of time like that, sort of when I was in school for music, especially like when I was in grad school and I'd been in school for music for a long time. And I was just like downloading all this musical information into my brain and getting stressed out about performances I was a part of and learning music and everything. And and it kind of got to the point where I wasn't really listening to music recreationally so much anymore because I had all these associations with – you know, having to do it for various reasons, and it was like so mm-hmm. much of my my life was revolving around music that it kind of like silence became the 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 thing to do to escape. You know, yeah. I and see so what there said, yeah. there was a long period of time where I was not listening to as much new stuff. You, you were
2: um, academically listening listening for a while.
0: Yeah, but then I don't know. It, I, once I came to Seattle, I started to kind of get out of that phase as I was like you know working day jobs more and and, and kind of kind of looking for a musical release. But uh, but even so, like it really helps me to have some sort of output for music, not just an input, but an output. Yeah. Um, and so like when I joined Greyhawk back in 2018, I had an output like, all right, I'm in this band and we're working with these styles and I'm, in, I'm gonna be you know writing these songs. And so I need to get all this input for that output. And then I listened to huge amounts of classic metal that I hadn't listened to before at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is it is a little hard for me sometimes to just listen to music just for the heck of it mm-hmm. because then I will tend to kind of go back to the stuff I already know and like yeah. Uh, rather than seeking out new stuff. But having something like this really helps because now there's a new output like, Oh, not only are we going to, am I going to listen to it, but we're going to talk about it. Like I have to yeah. not only form an opinion as to whether I'm going to listen to this by myself in the car or whatever, but like I'm going to talk about it with some other people. That's in a way that's going to be publicly accessible. So I have to form some sort of cogent opinion about it. Mm -hmm. And that's really helped me like enjoy it more. And I found myself listening to more stuff. And and, and so I I think that's, I guess that's the point of like, I don't know, a book club or something. It's the same kind of idea is that you're going to enjoy Mm -hmm. it more if there's, an interactive component to what you're doing with it it's not just coming in and staying there it's actually getting digested and coming out uh in another form and so Mm -hmm. I think that that this has been really great for that reason too and it kind of makes me wonder like what could there be for folks who you know maybe aren't in a band or don't necessarily want to start a podcast but kind of want to have some sort of output for their music I mean maybe there should be like you know metal album clubs for people to join you know
1: well maybe that's what we're doing here you know i, yeah. I think that kind you know, of, I, yeah i think there's, yeah. there's been a couple of people that have messaged me and be like dude i've never heard iron savior before and or people mm-hmm. said i didn't know they were still putting out records and listen to it because we babbled about it in our first podcast which mm-hmm. is great yeah. and that's kind of the whole point
2: yeah and it's kind of you know it's kind of like you know you join face facebook groups and uh share albums you know get recommendations talk about stuff um with with people that you may or may not have met in person and you know i, I um this didn't happen in any of the schools that i went to but like um when i was in alberta like university of alberta had like a heavy metal club you know that would like promote shows and things like that and they had like a weekly radio radio thing and so there's i feel like stuff is stuff has been there stuff has been out there but uh it's different you know it's a different climate now too right
1: it is in is. terms of how we
2: exchange information and whatnot. It, it's gonna be very interesting though, like talking about like um kind of kind of circling back to something you were saying a little bit earlier, Rev, about um my train of thought is like chugging to a halt all of a sudden. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> um about having a, oh man, totally I am totally I totally just lost what I was what I was gonna say. <laughs> That's okay. so, well man, we could just ramble for a second while the
0: train gets back on track. <laughs> um well, wow, but now the same thing's happening to me. I had an idea and it's like, it's, it's not it's good. Okay. I, I guess what I was going to say is that like, it's it's also nice for me to do this because it's a little tricky for me as someone in a who's in a band in the traditional metal scene. It makes it like a little trickier for me to listen to other albums by other bands in the scene because I kind of start like, it's not just comparing, but I do kind of start comparing and I start like, it gives me ideas for stuff that I think I might want to do. Or I start wondering like, oh, do I sound this good? This band sounds really good, are we this good? Right. I think, I don't think we're as good as this band, oh no. Mm-hmm. So I, I can kind of go on these spirals. And for that reason, like a lot of the bands that are, that are like our contemporaries, I tend to enjoy more seeing live. And I haven't mm-hmm. like done as much listening to their recorded output because I love being there, supporting the bands, making friends with the bands, buying the mm-hmm. merch. You know, yeah. so I've got like a bunch of t-shirts because that's kind of the way I tend to like want to support it. But this is great because now it's like, oh, I can listen to bands that are in our scene and not instead of just like comparing them to my band in my brain, I can like then pass on this cool music I'm listening to that like is part of this scene to right. other people too. And that's, that's great. That's another way in which it helps to have an output. So it's not just becoming part of my own psychosis.
2: You know? mm, mm, I see. I see. So? I, I, I remember what I, I remember what I was gonna what I, what I was gonna say a little bit earlier just about um, kind kind of going it, it, I think it's gonna be very interesting as you know the the vaccine goes around and COVID stuff starts to I mean hopefully starts to relax it'll be very interesting to see the bands who have been kind of sticking through this and continuously exercising their creativity and working on stuff despite the fact that they're not with their bandmates. To the same level that they would normally be um just because for a lot of people like the 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 musical culture is a very like social connection everything and a lot of people are in it for the hang the only people are in it for the shows for the social culture that goes around it so it's been very interesting for me to see which people kind of have just sort of let it go and which people have been have been continuing to be creative and who are doing it for its own sake you know kind of that,
1: that's a very good segue jeff because we're into our other topic we're going to talk about mm. um which is um it, it it circles back to the accept album we just we talked about earlier i'd like to talk to you guys a bit about um legacy bands putting out new records um and it's always uh every time an older band from the 80s or the 70s or the 90s now i guess 90s or 20 years ago um 30 years, yeah, uh, 30, yeah. Yeah, 20, thirty years ago, twenty to thirty, yeah, yeah, 30 years ago. Anytime bands like that put out a new record, it can be—I don't know—it's all—it's always interesting. Um, it's always interesting to see what they put out and how they um, either how they either interpret their old sound in a modern era or how they what they have to say in the, within the relevance of um, a time frame that's a long ways after when they were probably relevant. Um, mm-hmm. I think. With this accept album, we kind of see uh, I don't know if I'd say poor, maybe a bit of a misguided example of um, a band doing that. Um, but sometimes for me when I see older bands putting up music, last week we talked about nostalgia and heavy metal. And you know, that album that episode's not out yet, but I kinda of talked about how, you know, a lot of people are really just kinda of obsessed with albums from fifty years ago or forty years ago and <laughs> You know, I, th- I feel like it clips the wings of younger bands that, that play similar styles. And I feel that a lot of people just kind of think that all this heavy metal stuff kind of died in the 80s. And if they kind of open their ears up and open their eyes up a little bit, they'd probably see that there's a lot of cool bands doing the similar style really well these days. Um,
2: yeah. Yeah. So, it does kind of create a bit of a glass ceiling effect. It, it does. So mm-hmm.
1: to, to me, when a band, an older band puts up, comes out a new record, if I hear Megadeth is coming out with a new record or I hear mm-hmm. um, Iron Maiden or anybody is coming out with a new one, I'm always like, "Yeah, well, gonna, what's this going to be like? And, and there's been a lot of records over the years that I feel like bands have put out just because they need to put out something to go on tour and play the hits and make their money. Yeah. Um, and it's not really any kind of artistic statement. Um, it's just the fact that they need to put out one in order to market a tour. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, so, and, and Other times, you know, like except the other version of that is except Blood of the Nations album where they put out a really fucking relevant album and not everybody on their ass. Um, and it's, it, it, it really is good. Like I, a band that comes to mind for me that does it really well is Testament. Um, I feel like every single one of Testaments modern records is fantastic. Like they have I don't feel that they've ever had a misstep since really they kind of like stepped back into the limelight with uh Formation of Damnation. I think that was in like 08 or 09 or something. They really didn't have much output in the 2000s cuz Chuck Billy got cancer and he was obviously, you know, down for the count for a minute. Um then they put out Formation of Damnation and it was just like holy shit. This is this is amazing. And I feel like they're modern. Re- I personally prefer their modern records over their old ones. Um, mm. Oh, interesting. That's, okay. That's just my opinion. Um, and that's a band that I feel like cares about what they put out. They feel like it's, you know, they want they want to put out something with artistic integrity. They want to have something to say, they want to give their fans a good product, but there's other bands that I feel like, you know, one, some of them are just old and, you know, Hey, they're old men. So what do you expect? But I feel like it's just a reason to go on tour and play the hits when I would just prefer if they just went on tour and play the hits and didn't give me anything else.
0: Right. I guess there's like different yeah there's bands at different levels are going to react in different ways in that way because if you're if you're Metallica and Iron Maiden then your legacy is secure. If you're Mm -hmm. Testament you know certainly like in the underground yeah I mean most people who know Thrash know Testament. but. It's they're not exactly a household name, so maybe there's still a little bit of hunger there.
1: I disagree like, with that. I think they're very much a household name. I think Testament could walk based on their shit from the 80s, could walk on to any festival in Europe and have a good spot.
0: Sure, but like it, again, not like not like Metallica or Iron Maiden, which is a no. household name in in beyond just the metal world. Yeah. I, but it's true. Like I I used to uh I don't know, I, I remember when I was like a, a teenager and stuff, I just kind of ignored whatever like whatever the old guys were doing, because I thought that was just kind of by necessity or, or just automatically not very relevant. But then mm-hmm. Testament was actually something that, that did kind of change that a little bit for me because, and it was actually during one of those periods when I was in school and not seeking out a lot of new stuff, but kind of, I came across the, I think it was the music video for Native Blood.
1: Oh, it's so good! And I was like, "It's so
0: good!"
2: Yeah, I was like, "This that's is so sick, good. man!"
0: And then I got really into Dark Roots of Earth because of that, and that was the first Testament album I'd ever
2: heard.
1: Dark Roots uh, of the Earth, I think, is probably my favorite modern thrash record. That is a cool. that is a ten out of ten. It's awesome. Fucking <clears throat>
2: yeah, I mean, I'm not as familiar with Testament as you guys are probably, but I feel like Testament are kind of an interesting case because. You know they sort of went the other direction of a lot of, uh, of a lot of other thrash bands where they other thrash bands maybe dumbed it down or went more grunge or got less heavy testament went the complete opposite direction they like doubled down they
1: went and got steve de and gene hoglin yeah yeah <laughs> you know, like,
2: yeah. It's... they got like they got like death metal musicians yeah you know
1: yeah they yeah. definitely started up and they, it, like if you listen to that track native blood like one of my favorite parts is the chorus where like the guitars calm down and play like just chords and there's a blast beat underneath it it's just it's it's so fucking cool like yeah it's, it's just that that album that album Darker City the earth i think has so many cool dynamics wicked songwriting they played it they, they tuned down to c sharp i think on that okay. record which yeah. is like one of my favorite tunings but it's kind of like that's more of like traditionally like a stoner rock tuning like it's that's what sabbath was doing in the 70s but Right. I think it's a wicked tuning because it sounds heavy but it still has that brightness at the same mm-hmm. time. Um, it's it's experimental enough but it's still true to the classic testament sound. It's mm-hmm. fucking brilliant and that's an example of a legacy band that like, like Jeff yeah. said isn't moving backwards. They're trying to move forwards. They're trying to actually well, actively evolve their sound.
0: And I do think some of that again like might my- be correlate to the level of success they had in the past uh I maybe mean, not in every case but I'm um, bands that are a little bit more underground i think maybe have a, a little bit more reason to be hungry to think that their greatest success may still be coming and um, i'm thinking about like another semi thrash band flotsam and jetsam yeah um, and i think they've stayed reasonably relevant i mean i saw them a couple of years back and hadn't heard mm-hmm. of them before and then uh but that 2016 self-titled album is I think so. Yeah, I think it's their best album and it's it, it's sounds better and it's more mature. It has more interesting songwriting even than their 80s stuff, which is I don't care. Cool. Well, I'll be honest with you, I agree. I don't
1: give a shit about their 80s stuff. I really don't. Like I don't yeah. I don't think it's that great. I think that probably they're lucky that Jason Newsted was in the band and joined Metallica. That's really the only reason people stayed interested. But that being said, they yeah, really that, that's like the reason I found up. them yeah yeah it's i think it's the reason everyone did apart from people who were part of that bay area scene in the 80s however Mm. they basically have taken the ball and ran with it in the modern era because rev said like i i I first really got into them there's an album called my god i think in the 2000s that was really good and their albums since then have been really it's been awesome they've taken the ball and ran with it
2: because they never really stopped though did they like did they did Yeah, like, I mean, as far as I know, they've always been putting out albums, just whether or not people were hearing them or not.
0: Yeah, and they put out some stuff in the 90s that was pretty cool. I haven't dug too deep into it, but, like, I've
2: heard some of the songs from it, and some of it's pretty good. Yeah, I've got, I've got an album from it's from the mid-90s called, like, Quattro, I think mm. it's called. Yeah, Quattro's yeah. pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got that one. So I think that's the only, like, that's the only 90s when I've heard of theirs, though.
1: But uh, another band, so the band on the opposite spectrum that for me, and not always, because they're, they're just kind of inconsistent, is Megadeth like? I feel like the last couple of Megadeth albums have just been an excuse to go on tour, and it's interesting. Like Megadeth had King in the two thousands; they definitely put out a couple of records that were pretty awesome. Like they put out a United Abominations album, and there was a couple other ones in the two thousands that when uh, Chris Broderick joined the band.
2: Yeah, it was a big deal.
1: Yeah, they 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 they, they were tearing it up in the two thousands, which is like interesting to me because that's the era that. I feel like there was actually an excuse to just put out a record to go on tour because no one was buying anything everything was being taken up pirate bay or whatever where whatever other site like no one was buying shit and now yeah people are actually buying albums again like the resurrection of vinyl and people seem to want physical product again which i think is one of the coolest trends in metal these days um but I don't know. It just seems like a lot of times that band just kind of slaps together something that sounds pretty comp. I mean, none of their albums are ever, except for that Super Collider album. That was hilariously fucking terrible. I mean, that's <laughs> one of the funniest
2: things I've ever heard in my life. But yeah, I remember reading some interviews um, when Kiko uh, Luero joined the band. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure it was with Kiko, it was with Kiko, and they were talking about how they don't, you know, like Kiko will come up with riff ideas and song ideas, but he sends it to management. Yeah. You know, it's not like he, like him and Dave, it sounds like him and Dave don't really collaborate or at least maybe not at the like initial level of, mm-hmm. of working together. It sounds, it sounds like, you know, they kind of like dump ideas into the bin, like into like, like, yeah, their manager's bin. And then, it, and then they eventually rifle through it and like, you know, cobble an album together.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and that, that, that definitely comes through. And I think that's like, a band. that's I guess maybe maybe the one of the things to consider here is like when does a band become a business? When mm-hmm. is it go from an artistic endeavor into something that is putting food on people's table, whereby mm-hmm. you know albums become put through a formula and a machine to be um, produced on, at a certain point in time, so we can go on the road and make the money.
2: Yeah,
1: you know that yeah. that could be part and parcel to it.
0: Yeah, yeah I mean but- th- th- that's kind of what I mean when I was saying, like household name like when i with Testament, yeah, they're a household name in the metal world, but you can't buy a testament shirt at Target, you know, and you can buy a ne- or Metallica shirt at Target, and maybe even yeah, but it's the interesting
1: thing though I don't think anyone's telling Metallica what to do because
2: yeah, Metallica have the clout and the you know the power and the leverage and the money to. Indulge in whatever whim they want. I kind of wish that want. I wish that
1: someone was telling Metallica what to do, <laughs> because they kind of they, they kind of need somebody to just grab them. But you know, I, I think what you're saying is true, Rev. But I I don't think it always applies. I don't think anyone's telling Iron Maiden what to do either. Yeah. Um, but Iron Maiden hasn't made a good record in 20 years, so <laughs> in my opinion, I don't. I, I the Brave New World was the last thing that they wrote that really I gave a shit about. Yeah, other than a few tracks of Dance of Death I mean that what was it? a matter of life and death was one and then the last one was book of was a book of souls or book of, the book the Dead of souls is
2: the last one yeah I that listened to a... it
1: once and put it away it's awful like, I'm yeah, I, cool. I mean a it's
0: it, it, and to me like I, I haven't even really listened to those albums just because the default assumption for me is a band like that puts out a new album it's probably not going to be any good unless someone tells me like oh you should actually check this out because it's it's good i'm usually just going to listen to the older stuff because i that's usually the default assumption i guess i listened to the latest judas priest album firepower mm-hmm. but yeah, I,
2: another another andy Sneat production on that oh one. that
0: makes sense it sounds like it yeah oh yeah
1: it's mm-hmm. it's it, that's not an album i had a problem with but again it was just and we're not trying we're not i'm not here like we're not trying to shit on these these older bands here like i hope i can make records when i'm 70. like you know i still mm-hmm. i think Firepower is an impressive record for a bunch of grandpas, but you know, is it an impressive record versus everything else is coming out today in the heavy metal world? I don't think it particularly is, but that's just me. I mean, I think there's a lot of other bands putting out a lot more cooler shit than Judas Priest, um, and that's enough. I mean, but that's that's that raises the point: like, are these guys just like, well? You know, now we got to put out a record because we haven't put out a record in a certain amount of time. And if we want to keep touring and be in arenas and stuff, we need something to sell to people when we go on tour. You
0: know? Yeah. It's, is that really true, though? Like, if Judas Priest wants to go on tour, do they really, is someone going to be like, well, you don't have an album, so sorry, no? Is that going to happen? I think
1: for the record label, it is. I think for okay. the touring company, it is. Otherwise, they stick them on the casino circuit.
2: Right. I mean, yeah, Judas Priest is kind of in a weird. They've been in and out of a weird spot. I feel like they, they. I don't think they quite solidified themselves in the same way that Maiden did. Yeah. Like Judas Priest has been. I mean, Maiden have had their ups and downs, but I feel like I feel like Judas Priest's ups and downs have been way more drastic. Yeah, True. I mean, like I guess Maiden
1: just kind of had Blaze Bailey era. And that was the only time that things were, whatever. But yeah. Also, also, I don't know. Priest is like, I mean, Maiden still has a, the, the, the thing that they have going for them is that there's like a lot of original members there still. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And, and or a guys that maybe not original members, but guys that have been there um, for a long ass time. Whereas yeah. with Priest I, I mean, Mark, now, they, fuck, they don't even have Dip, Tipton and Downing anymore. It's kind of yeah. like the Rob Halford and Ian Hill project now.
2: Yeah. And, you know, and Maiden market themselves like a football team. Yes, they do. You know, yeah, like they're, 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 they're a sports team that's kind of what they are you know yeah you
0: can buy the actual like soccer jerseys and stuff so Mm
1: -hmm. and i guess that that comes to the point like does does it matter um i guess it it it, it, well i know the answer already it it doesn't matter what the fuck they do on a new record really Mm -hmm. like they're gonna have people there forever coming to their gigs including me i went and saw them the last tour and had a great time like it was one of the best shows i saw and shows i saw in 2019 um But, you know, it doesn't matter what they, it doesn't fucking matter what they do anymore. So at that point where it's the point, I I, I just wish they would stop putting on new records. You know, I wish bands like that in general would, if you don't have anything to say and you just want to go on tour and play the hits, then Mark is like the, and look at it this way. The most successful tour that band ever had in the modern era was the Somewhere Back in Time tour. That they, one was
2: awesome. Yeah. It I was that. awesome.
1: It's the, that's the yeah. second best show I saw. I saw the Brave New World tour. And that was a, the thing is when you see a band touring on an album that they're stoked on, it's mm-hmm. so much better. Like the energy is so much better. The performance is better. The atmosphere is better. When they come out, like they played yeah. most of Brave New World that night. Like that was, it was like an t- almost two hour set, but they yeah. played all of Brave New World save for three songs.
2: Yeah. And Bruce is fresh back on the scene you know it was
1: it was it was special to be there Uh mm-hmm. but that being said apart from that like somewhere back in time was incredible and they marketed like yeah. these are the songs we're gonna play so if like yeah. Judas Priest came out with a tour going you know not and I'm, I'm not necessarily looking for whole albums front to back tour those those tours don't interest me so much but they, if they came out with like the 70s tour or something where we're just gonna play the 70s songs people would flock on this shit yeah or we're gonna play like the, def- the the British. We're gonna hit the defender defenders, British Steel, screaming for vengeance era really hard and call it, I don't know, Defenders of Vengeance or something. <laughs> or um, yeah, people would go people would fucking go nuts for that. They don't. It, no one gives a fuck about your new record,
0: dude.
2: Mm-hmm. I, this I'm is why
0: if you have to like release something and if you want a new track to open with this is this goes back to what i was saying Like, maybe you should just put out an ep or even a single if you're just going to play one song you're like here's our new record yeah you know you, you can sell it at the at the concert for 20 bucks yeah it's it's only got two songs but it comes with a poster whatever
2: the, the, <laughs> you know? the problem with that is that the cost to make an ep at least from like the label and management perspective the cost to produce an ep is about the same as an album but they can't sell it for as much as an album. exactly like right. if you you wind That's up selling it for
1: half the price and I think the era of like the single is is over. Like, I, and I'm I'm glad for that. Like, in the 2000s, when uh, everyone was just downloading stuff, everyone was like, "Don't make albums, man. Don't put them out. No one's gonna buy your CD. Make singles. Make like smaller EPs. Released." And I, I hated it because I I love getting an album. I don't mind. I like getting an EP once in a while. Um, they're they're super fun. You know, like sometimes when a band puts out a couple tracks and a couple covers, and it's cheaper. It's it's really fun
2: but that's interesting that you feel that you that you see it that way though Darren I mean maybe maybe this is strictly like a like a heavy metal thing like a you know in our in our niche here but I actually feel like the age mm-hmm. of the single is back e- even more but maybe that's a more modern like you're looking at more modern bands
1: yeah like, I am and I'm, well, I'm thinking like well now that now are just I, I'm thinking of it now that people are actually buying shit again and this is yeah. this is my experience being doing this for 15 years um Mm -hmm. it's in in the 2000s like up to like 2013 14 you couldn't sell shit you couldn't sell anything to anybody like merch merch like if you're if you're a band playing in 2006 2007 dude Mm -hmm. you there's no point in having a merch table like no one bought anything i spent like shirts yeah like people will buy shirts no one bought cds nobody bought it. i mean that was before the age where and if you had tape, someone would have probably laughed at you um, back then. Yeah. And vinyl, the vinyl resurgence hadn't really taken hold yet. Now that um, people are really into vinyl, some people are getting back into CDs again, which I'm stoked because the CD, I think, is the superior audio format on earth. And some people are getting into tapes, which is confusing to me. But hey, man, however you want to listen to music is your business. Tapes are fun they are Ta- they are tapes I mean, are fun they are if, they're if, fun. If i just
2: people... like looking at them man yeah i, 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 I like tapes they i just... mean
1: I, i'm old enough that tapes were like a, that my main, only medium to consume music for a long time and yeah it drove me crazy like trying to rewind to find that song that you're looking for when it's the only thing you can do is super frustrating
2: yeah um, i know but i i remember when i was uh when i first like when i got my first car you know, when I, when I was 16 and like, driving around, like, I only had cars with cassette decks, so I amassed, like, a large collection of cassette tapes, and I don't I don't have very many of them anymore, and it's it, it, it kind of bums me out a little But even though I don't even have a tape player anymore, there's just something, I just, something about cassettes that I like. I don't know, yeah. maybe, maybe it's... No, I get it. Close. No, I get it. It's, it's, it's
1: nostalgic, and, you know, when, when the 88 Mile Trip did our big Cross Canada tour in 2015, I guess that was, um, the van we... Somebody loaned us a van, which was fucking funny. I'm like, why would, wow. why you would like let that band use your van for like a thirteen thousand kilometer tour is beyond me. But they did. We brought it back with a hole in the roof and a blown transmission.
2: Oh man.
1: But you know, um, it was. Uh, we had a tape deck, and we started getting tapes. And it was a, the, the cool thing about them because you don't want to, you know, rewinding and fast forwarding is a pain. You wind up listening to the whole album. Which
2: yeah, that's which was, something that I appreciated about them.
1: Yeah and, and, and I think vinyl is the same way like you can skip around on vinyl but most vinyl collectors are really um, concerned with keeping their records in really good shape. So people tend to put them on and listen to the whole side and then flip it over and listen to the whole other side.
0: It just makes it way like so much more important to not put a stinker on there. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know that's it, it brings into focus a little bit more the virtue of restraint in yeah. that regard it, it yeah. and that's kind of what I'm talking about like I, I think if you want to release new material as a as a band of old people then absolutely you should but like it doesn't seem it seems like most of the time 60% of that material is, is not relevant at all I'm with you
1: I know um, I and mean, that's the thing like I, I think a single is important singles are important to to sell an album and I think that the age of the single is back for in a certain context in order to sell your product I think you need a strong single I think music videos are important with YouTube coming back um, so you need all of those things but I think the idea of a single alone just released is that and only that I'm not sure I mean it, it can be a good it could be a good stopgap or a way to like in, to, to you know get Kindle interest rekindle interest in something in the meantime but I don't know if it's necessarily is big of a deal as it
2: was in the 2000s I, I think what i think what you're describing darren is is kind of limited to our sub-genre or our our kind of niche probably um i i, I what i what i see a lot of now what, like one big trend that i see is um a lot, a lot of singles in and, and this is kind of going stepping outside of metal more but like maybe more modern metal like like the like newer bands like polaris or alpha wolf like more metalcore kind of bands like that the trend that i see is you you put you release videos for every song and usually like different you know three to five versions of the same song hmm. you know like you're like you'll get the music video you'll get the lyric video you'll get the visualizer that's just like it's like a music video but but not kind of you know and then you get the acoustic performance and then you get the the playthrough without the vocalist or you know that i, I you see you, you're seeing that a lot but not so much in our
1: i second. mean that's that's interesting because and i i could definitely so that i can see being a thing because youtube is probably i don't know youtube might be the most important medium i mean god I remember kinda, when, you, yeah. when you guys started with your with your last record i mean that that video that you made was kind of like the big thing that like that video did got a lot geeky. for us yeah it, 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 got it really did out of the gates
2: yeah that clear. that that video was i mean obviously we like we busted our asses on that record and this kind of circles back to like when i was asking you guys if you went through long periods of time without hearing new music like i i, I kind of had a similar experience with you darren we're like working on east of sun like i kind of didn't listen to anything else for a very very long time like leading up like while working on that album and during the promotional cycle of that album and so many like several great really great records came out during that time that i like missed by almost like a year because of just being so embroiled in that but yeah like um we, we hauled ass on that album and i'm glad that it did as well as it did but i i do feel like if we hadn't have done that music video probably wouldn't have gotten the same response yeah so i mean look, that the power look. of the single
1: regardless is still present you know you, you definitely yeah. need that one song that you can kind of like hang your hat on and say this is kind of like the one we want out there for everyone to hear this is why you should buy our record um you know check mm-hmm. this out and i do remember that came coming out and being like and that's when i kind of said oh shit like this is this the, like you know just fans a real deal like this is gonna go places i was pretty stoked <laughs>
2: It was cool, man. the The day we dropped that video was the day we got asked to play "Keep It True," mm-hmm. like, and and then that was that's kind of what set it off. Honestly, like, so many so many things went right when we dropped that album that it's actually insane. Like looking back at it, like, even so though we a rock things, master, <laughs> so 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 many things went right that m- for most bands would not have gone would not have gone. Like it, it was kind of uncanny in a way, like we did we did the music video we had literally one day that we could have possibly shot that music video and it happened to be like totally clear no rain no nothing we had like this amazing sunset and we like used the like right before we shot the video we had like 5 minutes of sunset left and we got like the perfect promo photo during that time period we did the video and it was super sick and super fine and like did it on a i mean it was a four fi- it was a four figure budget but it was less expensive than other videos at that caliber i feel and put it out came out on time started selling pre-orders for our album got asked to play keep it true our pre-orders paid for our trip to keep it true we went to keep it true and like lined up a bunch of merch and had it waiting for us when we got there sold lots of like enough merch to cover all of our expenses and then some and then got home and like started shipping records out and you know, played around. And while we were in Germany, the first time we got, we started making contacts for our, for that tour that we did um, in 2019, like just so many things went right. That's kind of, it kind of blows my mind, you know, I, yeah. And it was, we, we rode that wave for, for a while.
1: Well, hard work pays off, man. Uh, that's the thing. Like, you know, eventually if, if you're, if, if you're busting your ass and you're working hard enough and you make not just, not just like on your craft, but if you're working hard enough on how mm-hmm. to, get your craft out to
2: people, you know, it will pay off. Eventually. Yeah. And, 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 and if you, and if you allow yourself to jump on opportunities that seem kind of crazy as well, like getting asked to play, keep it true with six weeks notice, you mm-hmm. know, wh- wh- after we had already taken a bunch of, you know, time off work for like recording the record and things like that was, it was a big deal. And like, you know, again, if we hadn't have played, keep it true again, that probably would have stunted the growth that we had with, with our band, you know, or our, our first tour in Europe might not have been as successful or we might not have been able to get as many dates. The album, the the sales would definitely not have been as good if we hadn't have gone. And, but it was just like one of those things like, okay, guys, like this, you know, like we should do this. Like we got to do this. Can, you know, like let's just pretend the money for getting ourselves on a plane over to Germany for a weekend, let's pretend the money's on an object. Can we all physically like get time off work and be there, you know? And just taking that step and saying yes, we're doing this, and it's crazy, but we're going to do it anyways. Like just being able to having the drive and the motivation to just do that. Do you think yes to these opportunities?
1: Do you think that uh, there's a lot of bands out there that? um, I mean, we obviously we can't tell because they don't probably they probably don't post about it or talk about it. But do you think there's some bands out there that like kind of clip their own wings a little bit because they don't take? I think a lot
2: of people shoot themselves in the foot. You know, a lot. Of, I think a lot of people shoot themselves in the foot. I think a lot of people either they misread signals, they don't know. You know, something's a good idea, but they're too nervous or too. You know, maybe too shy, or they just don't see the opportunity, and it just kind of flashes past them. Or so I've seen people be too good for that opportunity. I've I've had conversations with musicians at the local or regional level who, when I tell them that we had to buy our own flights to Germany to go play this festival, like stared at me in horror and be like, you did that? Like you're devaluing the craft, you know, people like, you know, those kinds of conversations, which kind of blows my mind a little bit, you know? Um, Yeah. So, so people, you know, people, people shoot themselves, they clip their own wings in that way. They just miss out on stuff or, or they're just fucking lazy, Yep. They're too lazy. They they <laughs> they're too lazy. They're too lazy to like get on the phone with a travel agency and track down the cheapest flights. They're, you know, like We're just like oh,
1: know, I, 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 I could sh- never I could never ask my boss for this kind of time off.
2: Yeah,
0: I think a lot of people yeah. just have these ideas about like what can and can't be done. Yeah, it's And like, then it's just like when they see the opportunity they don't recognize it. And but I and I yeah. think we've all been there like I don't know. I I've definitely seen a few opportunities where I kind of thought, oh, that won't work, but I was fortunate enough to have someone in my life who was like, No, we're doing it. Yeah. And then seeing that like go through and seeing it work. It's like, oh. Yeah. I
2: guess that I, was I, an opportunity. I've turned down I've turned down things that could have been really beneficial for my career, stuff that like stuff that went out, you know, when I was a teenager that I could have done that probably would have gotten me a little bit of a head start even more, stuff in my twenties, stuff when I first moved to Vancouver that i said no to because like what uh oh, yeah like i, I got I, I won't say the name of the band but i got asked to play guitar for a for like a pretty high profile band on on mm-hmm. like a month and a half long american tour and uh, said no because i was super broke like it was my second year of living in vancouver and just didn't think i'd be able to like i wasn't i didn't think i was gonna make enough money on the road and also i was canadian i was worried about like the the traveling situation as well and i also i also doubted my own playing abilities and yeah like yeah just that. that could have been a really amazing opportunity to take part in yeah, yeah and, i mean
0: you have to kind of take the leap sometimes and and uh yeah certainly in, in rock and roll you've got to like sometimes be able to be like, well, yeah, I mean, there may be some consequences in terms of job or finances or whatever. And I guess I'll just handle that when I get there. And, yeah. you know, in the moment, sometimes it's, it's kind of hard to make that call, but it can make a huge difference if it opens up a bunch yeah. of other doors.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I guess the, the, the moral of the story is like, you know, it, if you're, if you're going to be in the rock and roll business and play it safe, it's probably the wrong
2: business for you. I mean, sometimes, <laughs> I mean, a lot of the time playing it safe is sometimes the most, Risky thing you can do a lot of the time, you know. Not even not even just in rock and roll, but in like a lot of creative endeavors.
0: Yeah,
1: no, you definitely like you definitely need to say you need to know when it's time to say yes to the right things. You know, um, you need to know when it's time to put yourself out there, and you need to. I guess at some point you gotta. If you're in a band, you have to decide like, okay, what do I want this band to be? Do I just want to play the local bar on the weekends? Mm-hmm. which is fun and there's nothing There's absolutely nothing wrong with being in yeah. a band that wants to rock the local stages every friday once a month every friday saturday night i mean i enjoy going to those gigs at the highline or whatever local venue here and seeing local dudes you know yeah. tear it up that's great um yeah. but if you actually want to leave you know play bigger stages and um you have some kind of ambition then you know you got to get your ass out of your hometown and you know, when there's when there's an opportunity like that that comes along, even if you've got to pull money out of your pocket or whatever, yeah. you got to do it.
2: You yeah, know? you got Sometimes you got to sell a couple of guitars to, to to make something happen. Yeah, exactly. This is something, you know? and
0: this is something I've noticed even outside of the music realm, especially when it comes to travel. I feel like certain certain folks just, for whatever reason, have a bit of a block about it in terms of ideas about like not being able to pull it off dude it's my fucking favorite
1: thing like you tell them i will pay tons of money to like go to faraway lands and play music it is like i love i love the road It is my one of my favorite things i mean my, my favorite thing about being in a band is the creative process i really like making records that's my absolute favorite thing my second favorite thing is playing shows that are not in my hometown and that's not saying i don't like playing seattle shows i love playing here like we have a I don't think Greyhawk has ever played a bad show in Seattle. Um, right. Even when I was in Skeletor, I don't think, with the exception of maybe one, I don't think we ever played a bad show in Seattle. It's a great live music town. And there's a really solid, mm. hardcore uh, following of, of, of heavy metal folks here who come out and fucking rage every single time you play. But I love that feeling of, like, getting in a, ve- a vehicle with my, my, my brothers and Heading off to some other town that you don't know what you're gonna, you don't know what you're gonna get, you don't know what you're yeah. gonna be in for, and it's kind of like the four or five of you against the world. And yes, I love it, man. I, I I I love going and meet new people and experiencing new things and seeing new places and playing music for people I've never met before. I think it's the fucking best.
0: It's also like I don't know, I think travel can be even more rewarding when you have something you're doing. Um, yeah. even though it can be limiting in its own way too but it's kind of like what I was saying with you know re- reviewing albums if you have a purpose to be in a particular place and you're interacting with the place and the people it's, it's more satisfying than just going someplace as a tourist a lot of the time because then you might be like well how do I see everything how do I experience it all for myself uh, is this good do I like it I don't know whereas if you're on tour it's like you have your job you've got the mm-hmm. goal and then everything else becomes like this great bonus
2: yeah i'm I'm bad at vacations like i i just i just like suck at like doing stuff like like going and doing doing stuff it. for its own sake yeah i i i really suck at that so i i feel like most of my trips have been musically mo- almost all my almost all of my trips that i've ever taken in my life have been like musically motivated you know but um yeah i don't know um I mean, at the at the end of the day, you do have to hit the road. And I've had this conversation with um, local musicians in the Vancouver area who want to like, how do I get my band off the ground? Like, how do how do we do what what you guys did in Gatekeeper? And it's sometimes it can be a really difficult conversation where I just have to say like, yo, like, first of all, we got kind of lucky. You know, I feel like we kind of got in a little sooner than you know, like 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 there's there's some things that we did where it's almost too late. You know, like. Gatekeeper got started in a time where, like, internet forums were still pretty were still pretty happening. Like, Facebook was like getting big, and forums were just kind of on the decline. But like, ger- but like metal forums in Germany were huge, and there was there's this insane culture of just German metalheads who were like just posting MySpace links to like cr- like crappy bands that put out their first like shitty rehearsal room demo being like oh this is cool you know so you had <laughs> scenes <planted laughs> that's what you're saying yeah like like dude we've been a, like gatekeeper's been a thing for like almost 10 years man it's nuts yeah and yeah it, but like we kind of got we kind of got in at that time when you could you could do that and there was like there was um there were there were, like forums with hundreds of people who were spending money on music who wanted to know what you were one who were following what you were doing because that's what they did you know and it's a little bit i feel like it's a little bit different now just in, in the advent of um, of facebook and the way we communicate now i feel like what we did you couldn't necessarily recreate which is fine you got to figure out other shit right yeah you, gotta figure, you got you, yeah, you to figure out your own stuff but you know in in town here in vancouver like gatekeeper will draw like 80 people you know but no one gives a shit about us out here You know, our friends will come out to see the show and like a couple musicians where we respect each other, whatever. But it's like, yeah, like the reason we're doing what we're doing is because we thought internationally at the get go. We're like, okay, like epic heavy metal, Cohen and the Barbarian inspired heavy metal, Robert E. Howard lyrics and shit like that. Like, no one, no one gives a shit about that in Western Canada. But collectively across North America and Europe, yeah, okay, there's probably 10,000 people out there.
1: No, there is. And you're if right. we
2: can just find those people and like figure out where they hang out and where they communicate, you know who they talk to and who are the tastemakers. If we can just make sure they see us, and at the time also there weren't that many bands doing it either, too. Yeah, you know, and, and I hear what you. Happened. I
1: hear what you're saying, man. It's it's and, and it's still kind of like that. Like you know, yeah, great. Greyhawk can fill a. We can fill a venue in Seattle. We can't fill yeah. a big venue in Seattle, but we can fill a venue here. Um, yeah. But you know, we definitely wrote keepers of the flame and marketed it and as towards Europe. And because yeah. that's where the people who listen to this stuff live. Unfortunately, COVID happened and we didn't get a chance to go, even it's though it bad. was it was in the it was in the works and it was getting hooked. It just didn't happen. Wow. Um,
2: really? Wow. I didn't really yeah. I actually didn't know that.
1: But we yeah, I I I I've been talking to um some festival promoters who you mentioned earlier. And stuff mm-hmm. about being over there so
0: huh.
1: unfortunately it'll happen but just not now um however uh you know a little, <laughs> you said about the fandom over there dude like when, when i made um with great hawk band camp in 2018 we started we mm-hmm. had recorded the ep um i made a Bandcamp page and uploaded the tunes but i hadn't shared it anywhere it was just sitting there right yeah. it's like the artwork's up and the, the tunes are there i hadn't posted it to facebook or any social media or done mm-hmm. any advertising or anything i just had created the page so it's ready to go when we're ready to release it yeah and it was being released with a pr company at the time so there was like a whole plan to launch it and everything yeah. i put the i put the site up five minutes later some dude from greece is like hey man when are you gonna have cds <laughs> Like, yeah. I'm not shitting you. Like, five minutes after I put this site up, and I just – it had probably, like, the tagline, like, Epic Metal or something. There's some kid from Greece, like, being like, when when's your CD coming out? I want it on CD. And I'm like, what? How? And I literally yeah, wrote, man. how the fuck did you even find this? That's what I responded yeah, to.
2: <laughs> yeah, dude. There was a, there was a form I, – I think it's still around, but I don't think it's nearly as active as it used to be. But there was a, a German form called Sacred Metal that was – like it, it's a it's a it's german speaking form it's it's what it is it's for for germans and it's like kind of it's geared towards like old school heavy metal like like classic styled younger bands and like that's that's their whole thing is they i mean they discuss obviously like metal and record collecting but they also they they like part of their thing is they just hunt down band camp heroes like yeah. up, like up up and comers and be like okay these guys sound cool like this demo sounds sick like i hope their album delivers like i hope i hope no remorse picks this up or whatever you know kind of thing
1: yeah it's crazy yeah. I, I didn't really i didn't really know or, or or i guess i knew but i I guess i didn't really believe in my heart how strong that classic heavy metal was still in europe you know yeah. I, i've heard stories and you told me about it but i had it hadn't really sunk in until i went to um to Germany in 2019 to see Manowar with with, with some friends Mm -hmm. and you know of course like Manowar was sold out and it was like packed with people and everyone was singing along and that wasn't the thing that made me realize how strong this music was there the two things that got me were the bar we went to after Manowar like these guys (laughs) met us on the train and everyone's singing everyone's drinking beer on the train and singing Manowar songs acapella and stuff but you know me and Ang- you know it's you know so angus is there my buddy luke juan is there and we're all like just saying like canadian jokes and stuff and being like af- being like ourselves and these german people were just like transfixed by the canadian sense of humor and they were just like right. looking at us like can you they're like kind of like can you believe the shit these guys are saying right like so they invited us to like this uh af- like this after party and like they called it the thrash metal bar like you want to go to the thrash like hell yeah we want to go to the thrash metal bar <laughs> So we go to this place and dude, they were playing like it's a bar and it's packed. Like there's tons of people. And they're playing like Majesty and Wizard and Halloween (laughs) and like just like the the most like obscure power metal shit that you could like Paragon and bands like that. That like oh hell yeah. You know, bands that like I know because I'm a fucking dork. And everyone in the place is singing the lyrics. And these are like normal ass looking people, right? Like it's not like mm-hmm. they're the, what you would think of like the fucking totally like virgin power metal fan. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, these are regular ass people. And I was like, damn, like all these stories I hear are true. You know, yeah. like it's, it's, it's a big fucking deal over there. And that kind of, mm-hmm. kind of was what it lit a fire under my ass when, when we were starting to write um, Keepers of the Flame, the album, not the podcast, but the, the mm-hmm. album, the Greyhawk album, that we could actually like get signed and get over here and play to people like there might actually be a lot of people that give a shit about this album because yeah. you know like playing in north america it can be kind of demoralizing sometimes when you know you have a good product and you're trying to get it out and and even like when a lot of like heavy metal people listen to an album like a gatekeeper album or a greyhawk album or whatever like they think it's fun and they think it's cool but they're a little tongue-in-cheek about it you know sure which like yeah. doesn't really bother me because I don't give a fuck what they think. I think usually think their bands' albums stink anyway, so I'm like whatever. <laughs> it goes both ways, buddy boy. Um, yeah,
2: in in North America, I call I, I've, I've always thought of that as like the Achilles heel of like power metal, kind of. Mm-hmm. Where like people people might like it uh, over here, but you know because it because it's got clean singing or it's maybe a little more flamboyant than you know like whatever's being marketed to, to them normally they kind of paint it in this like frilly like ironic um, there's th- th- this sort of frilly ironic enjoyment it was, there's, a, there's it. a word it would have
1: been called that was is yeah. not acceptable to say anymore so I'm yeah. not gonna say it but there's a word it would have been called
2: um, yeah exactly yeah, yeah
1: it's exactly like always-
0: a well every song's not about stabbing someone in the face with a broken beer bottle so this is lame
1: yeah or, or just yeah. like it, it's not like the, the voice isn't like Either screaming or low or guttural, and it's not a, It's not. It, it, that's not what it is. So it must be a little bit fruity or whatever, you know. And it's like it's always like, oh, that's and, and, and they. It's, it's almost like they want to enjoy it, but like their reputation. So yeah, state, it was interesting. Right? Like
0: yeah, you know, reading some of the reviews for our albums, it was very much like some of these things. Like, the reviewers clearly liked it, but spent like half, you know, four of the ten paragraphs were just like apologizing for liking it. <laughs> it's weird.
1: <laughs> yeah and that's, and that's entirely not our problem you know i, I read that that's so thing, funny like, I, I i read a lot of those reviews where it's like you know this i shouldn't like this but i do and i shouldn't this and i'm like sorry about your dick bro like you know i'm really sorry that you're that in in like that insecure that you know you you can't allow yourself to like something and i mean i get it to a point like i went through i had a weird elitist phase of my life where i was like you know when the new wave of traditional heavy metal came out, I was like, you know, when that started becoming a term, I still fucking hate that term, by the way. I can't say it.
2: very silly, yeah.
1: Um, you know, a lot of these bands came out and I was just like, oh, that's just like derivative, unoriginal bullshit. They're making fun of the 80s. They're not like, they're making fun of the music I like. And I still feel that way about some of it. Um, but in the end, like I just, I, I, in recent years, I've come to the conclusion that I'm just going to allow myself to enjoy things that are fun and not worry about whether they're derivative or whether they're whatever if i like the sound of it i like it and if i don't like it i just won't listen to it and i will not care you know it's kind of like the point i got to and it's much more enjoyable mind space to be in than worrying about what the fuck everyone else is doing
0: yeah yeah
2: yeah there's yeah i just don't have like the mental um real estate to think about that shit anymore yeah you know the it just bums me out when like to, to, just just seeing people like have have these heated discussions and like dishing on dishing on records or bands or whatever it's like oh man like yeah exactly
1: i, know. I mean even the new the new accept record like i don't really like we really touched on earlier like i wasn't crazy about it but i'm not mad you know i'm not gonna like lose any sleep that i don't love the new accept record yeah, just, we kind
2: of had a, i mean we had a laugh you know we're we're not, laugh. Yeah, I, it's I, not I, like
1: i didn't did have a bad time listening to it
2: we're
0: not saying this is like a bad sign for civilization that this album is not what it should be. It's not like that.
1: No, I'm not going to like go try to punch Mark Tenillo in the face. I'm <laughs> <laughs> like, he, he wrote his thing and I don't like it and I'm just going to not listen to it and that's okay. You know?
0: well, I'm just glad that we have, you know, avenues to get the music overseas and everything and to be able to connect with the people who like it. And it's kind of funny to realize like, I don't know, I think for that, for Keepers of the Flame, for example, we just made an album that was the album we wanted to make and yeah i put the vocal flourishes on it that i thought would make that would work best for each song and then it's funny cuz it did end up being something that is rather Teutonic in character and and it's pretty funny you know going back and listening to all this except and i know that a lot of the other guys in the band like you know Darren you and Jesse I these guys all like you guys all know, except probably better than I do. But it was funny to hear it all and be like, wow, a lot of these, this stuff really sounds like Greyhawk. And I didn't even know it. Like, I didn't know, I didn't know most of this stuff, but a lot of those like choral touches and the vocal touches I was putting on there, especially yeah. with the backing vocal stuff. I'm like, Oh wow. That's very accept, and I had
2: no idea.
1: <laughs> well, which is like a logical thing to do musically.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, which one is the song? It's one of the slower ones. I'm not sure if it's a black peak or, um, rising sign, but it's got the like the choir. Oh yeah, rising oh, sign. Oh, yeah. that's the one. Yeah. I was just yeah. listening to that the other day actually.
1: You should have seen him trying to make us all sing that
2: in key. It was so- I, is, is that the one with, like <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. he was like conducting us and we we had to kick Jesse out of the room for that
2: one.
1: <laughs> I mean to was Jesse fit- taking that video because like Rev was wow. like you're cut. Like, oh yeah he managed to teach us to like sing that stuff in key which was i that was actually i think that was the most fun i had making that record was that day i had a lot of fun
0: it was pretty That's fun sweet. yeah we got my father-in-law down there to help out which is good because he's got a good low voice Yeah, you oh, cool you know because some of that stuff is actually yeah it's super low those notes and not everyone i don't think jesse even has those notes in his voice but mm-hmm. even if you do it can be tricky to like tune them properly with everybody yeah. so i thought it came out sounding pretty good but I guess that is that was like the that might have been the peak peak German moment on the album but.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's, it's, you're it's, you're it's, we, we do live in an interesting time in heavy metal where I believe things things are starting to become like because of the technology that you know the singer of the band we deep dove in was yelling about like because of the technology and the internet and stuff like things are becoming more international like like mm-hmm. the, 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 yeah. the, the, the world the scene is becoming smaller you know and it, it, like, like if you do um, dedicate yourself to your craft and make the right moves and everything like you can reach people and mm. that's something I've started to realize is, is that and has gotten reinvigorated me about making music and making metal is that you know you can reach the people that you want to reach without you know being on a huge label and we got on a wicked label like fighter records has been awesome and it's really cool yeah. these small labels are popping up um, like you guys are on cruise and they're fucking amazing too
2: um, mm-hmm. like, yeah they've, really been, cool. they've been at it for a while they've been at it for like 20 years but the cool thing is
1: that they're artist oriented you know yeah, they're, they're, they really are i mean they 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 do it for a living and they make their money at it but like they're very artist oriented they're fans and they they're just really cool guys that want to promote them mm-hmm. want to promote the music and they want to be a part of it and there's like a lot of you know i we to give i gotta give a shout out to even smaller labels like you know mike over at swords and chains who like I'm, I'm, yeah. He has his day job, and i 'm sure he doesn 't like pay his bills with you know the record label, but he wants to be a part of the scene because he loves it, and that 's his way of kind of like helping out and contributing and
2: yeah that's like Mike's great man yeah and guys like
1: that and and you know are, are really the ones that they 're really as much as the bands they 're really like keeping the scene together and they 're really doing a lot to it. i think it 's growing and it 's getting strong and it 's only going to get stronger um, as, as, as we keep going and we all figure out how to like as more labels pop up and we all figure out how to use the technology a little better and get our music across to people worldwide. Because like you said, maybe five, maybe 10 people in Vancouver like this kind of music. But if there's 100,000 worldwide and you can reach those 100,000 people, well, guess mm-hmm. what? Now you have a viable fan
2: base. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, I mean, yeah, there, there might only be 10 people in every major city, but but they add up. And those people, a lot of those people talk to each other. And a lot of those people buy the records from the same place. A lot of those people are on the same social media groups, you know, things like that. A lot of the people, they're, they're all using the same hashtags. You just got to go out and find them, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's, it's it's really cool. And it, it was really cool listening to you talk about that. actually, like, I tell you, like, when I was putting Greyhawk together, coming out, how we're going to do it, like, you know, watching you do those things with, with Gatekeeper was actually, like, I copied a lot of the stuff you did because I saw work <laughs> I, 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 I'm not even gonna lie like I, I, I saw like you were how you marketed your band was actually a big influence to me wow. on how I decided that we should proceed because I saw you make a lot of really intelligent moves and I was like that's oh. the way to do it like I that was you were actually a big influence on me on how to how to put um Great out to the to the masses obviously I put my spin on it and didn't copy everything you do but I was like Man, Jeff really knows what the fuck he's doing when it comes to all this stuff. Like, I should oh, thanks, man. do something along those lines.
2: Well, I pre- appreciate it. it's very it's very kind of you to say it. That's yeah. It's funny because I still I still look back and think like I'm like ah, there's there's things I fucked up. You know, there's, there's things that I wish I would have done differently. There's there's other things we could have could have worked harder on and whatnot, and opportunities we could have maybe followed up on a little bit more. But I, but I'm really happy to hear you say that. So that's cool. Okay. Thanks.
1: Well, I don't know. I think that's probably a good place to wrap things up. We've been going at it for a while now, so um, yeah. I guess that we kind of got off topic with our last topic, but that's okay. I think the discussion went in some more interesting places than we had planned. So, um, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah.
2: I, I like talking about this kind of stuff, and um, I do. I do like having these conversations with other musicians, and 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 with like musicians who are maybe like newer to the scene or younger who are trying to like they're you know they're trying to figure things out they might need some guidance or musicians who are maybe feeling trapped at the local or regional level and are trying to figure out how to get out of that how to get out of that box because it's uh it can be a really it can be a really like vicious cycle to be a part of and you can end up just being like a ticking time bomb at the end of it you know it just yeah, gets it's bitter and stuff you know i i i was definitely
1: at that point place at one point in my life and it's not mm-hmm. fun to be there um before we take off, like you know, you have got more than just Gatekeeper going on. Is there anything you want to plug? Anything you want to talk about that you got coming up? You want to talk about your recording service you're doing?
2: Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm, uh, so I'm producing this uh, this next Gatekeeper album, and I've been getting into production. I've been producing some other bands uh, around the Vancouver area. Uh, one artist I've been working with lately is a band called uh, Nameless King. There's some. It's like a death. It's like a death metal project and uh just some, some a bunch of dudes from the vancouver area who had played in a lot of other bands are kind of doing this uh doing this other project it's all it's all it's all based on a on a video game i think dark souls is the name of the game but i've never, never played never played it but i'm working with those guys and i'm i've been uh, picking up some gigs working with other bands that i probably that i'm probably quite, not quite ready to spill the beans on just yet but i do love it i do love um being behind the, the mixing board and just have been developing my skills in that area a lot, which has been super rewarding. That's probably been the bi- my biggest thing since um, the pandemic hit was just honing those skills because it's always something that I've wanted to do. And it's uh, really great to see it start to come together. Um, aside from that, aside from Gatekeeper, I, I teach music. I teach, uh, I teach music theory, teach piano, teach guitar, um, songwriting, things like that. And um, I have a dungeon synth. I make dungeon synth stuff, which is which is fun. i with Encloaked. Um, there's a second album coming out soon. Oh, uh, we did a yeah. So uh, we I just found a label, just secured a label for that, and uh, haven't made a formal announcement yet, but we probably will soon. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's a, yeah, the dungeon synth thing was also like a new, a newer discovery of mine, and it's been a lot of fun. And the, that's that's a community that really. Uh, it's a, that's a very fun community to, um, to dip my toes into as well. Some really great people and some really interesting artists, um, in that range. And, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, to getting more into that as well.
1: Awesome, man. Well, that's, sounds like you got a shitload of stuff on the go and in this time and in this day and age, that's a, that's a yeah. testament to your drive and your creativity. So that's really cool.
2: Thanks, um, man. Yeah. yeah. I got solo stuff coming out too. Hell Yeah. Yeah. That be we're, fun. Excited hear,
1: we're excited to hear all of that. So, uh, Jeff, thank you for being t- taking your Sunday afternoon to be on the podcast with us. And uh, my pleasure that wraps it up for episode four, Keepers of the Flame. And we'll see everybody next week with whatever the hell we're going to do then.
0: Well, I always a pleasure. So, Look forward yeah. to seeing you in person, Jeff. Yeah, I love you guys. One of these, um, one of I these years.
2: I miss you. It's, uh, yeah. I miss my trips to Seattle because uh, that's, like, that's like my second home. All yeah. so. Well, We'll see
1: you soon, and we'll see everybody out there in Podcast land next week.
0: All right,
2: peace
1: out.